This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's been nothing but Ukraine war, Russia war, Ukraine. Man, it's crazy. There's other stuff going on in the world, but this one does seem to be the most uh, pressing. We do have the Freedom Convoy making its way. And we do have a bunch of other crazy stories, too. But, uh, man, I've been looking back at all the news, and it's just endless talk of what's going on in Ukraine because, obviously, people keep saying World War Three. The latest, Russia has apparently blocked access to Facebook. So it's like, as all these companies say, we're going to censor you or sanction you, Russia's just like, okay, get out. We're, we're done with this. But it does feel like Russia is becoming increasing, increasingly more isolated because even China seems to be backing off a little bit. Brazil and India are kind of like, yo, we're neutral on this one. So I don't know if Russia will be able to hang out uh, for, for much longer, but I do think they may end up winning at least their objectives here. Now, Donald Trump has come out and said he told Putin and she he would nuke them. Huh. If they went after Ukraine or Taiwan. And uh, so basically he's confirming the story, which is crazy. And then we've got a bunch of other crazy stuff. Um, one thing I really want to talk about tonight. There's this ad I got on Twitter for an artificial intelligence, like girlfriend or friend. It doesn't say girlfriend, it says friend. And it's just really creepy. So I want to remind everybody, don't date robots <laughs> from Futurama. But we'll talk about that too. And we're going to be talking about the World Economic Forum, critical race theory with um, none other than the foremost expert on critical race theory, author of Race Marxism, James Lindsay. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yes. Hey, yes, all of those things. That's those things. Name. The World Economic Forum. Yeah. Mm. Yes. Uh, what are you doing? Who are you? What's going on? I'm somebody. Uh, yeah. You're a sword fighter. I am a sword fighter a little yeah. bit. I mean, we were sword fighting a little bit. James, Not like that. Though. James. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Strong start. James James disarmed me. I did. With, uh, yeah. with a wakazashi. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. That's right. So, you know. Keeping up with things, traveling a lot, talking a lot, getting around the country, being the world's, I guess, foremost expert in critical race theory, as I've been billed. Oh, yeah. Smeagol must take names that he's given. <laughs> um, well, it makes the show seem more prestigious, you know, and yeah. I'm like, this guy's the best. Yeah. yeah. white guy is the foremost expert Whoa. in CRT. <laughs> How offensive. How <laughs> offensive. I'm a non-practicing white, though. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe in practicing my race. Go, he, go he, figure. He's a lapsed white. <laughs> oh my gosh. Wait, so were you like baptized white and then just stopped doing it, or <laughs> I mean, I fall away that, in your teens? Yeah, or? I think that's how that works. Ra- raised white for a few years, but then you know left the race. Yeah, like, like uh, what's her face, uh, Rachel Dolezal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but no, she uh, she tried to adopt a, another race. I just. Checked yeah. right out of she the whole converted. system. Uh-huh. She yeah. was she converted. I started clicking other on all the boxes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just gonna right. check them out. We got uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll be talking to James about a lot of stuff. Uh, we got to Seamus of Freedom Tunes. Seamus of Freedom Tunes. Yeah, I make cartoons. I have a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes. If y'all want to check that out, we released a cartoon yesterday on Joe Biden's State of the Union, and we're working on some tunes next week about the uh, industrial military complex as well as the woke military training. So I think you guys will like that. Go there, oh, subscribe, yeah. stay tuned, and also really excited for tonight's show. Uh, Ian Crossland over here. Nothing too deep to report yet, but I am on board and reporting for duty. I am stoked as well because James knows how to talk and he knows what he's talking about. It's going to be a great conversation tonight. We love having James. Yeah, I'm kind of tired, so I'm just going to be like, Take oh, it James, away. just, just yeah. tell us yeah, everything. Go and I'll, I'm going to sit back here and get my phone. I got, I got, I've been playing <laughs> Lemmings recently. <laughs> Dude, right. Lemmings is... That's are you kidding me? It's, it's one of so my favorite fun. games. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah. That game was amazing. Like, are, but the are mobile, you an emulated version? From no, the, uh, the mobile version's weak. 
Yeah, oh, it's like you can make stairs. Aww. Dude, we have a Sega Genesis downstairs. Yes, I know. I'll, I'll get one of the cards. You guys need to mod that, that and get the NPC faces on the linen. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's amazing. No, for real. We, I could, we, I could, we could do that to. in 20 minutes. They yeah. support all the things. So just falling off the cliff. Yeah. That's yeah, it's That's actually that's a brilliant idea. Actually, the we're not paying you for that, but we will use it. We should make a game. Yeah. Where it's like kind of like Lemmings, but it's NPCs. Yes. So for those that know what Lemmings is. You like thirty little lemmings will walk around and do just like walk back and forth, and you can assign tasks to them. So like dig a hole or block someone or like you know shoot rope across a gap or something. Paint black lives matter and, on a street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unattended, they just keep walking until they die. They, yeah, you got to yeah. try and guide them to the right exactly. place. Exactly. So they just walk, and, and the idea is you have to get them from the entrance to the exit of the level with as few as possible dying. It's a great yeah. game. It's really a great. The mobile game. version is really weak because mm-hmm. in the original game there was like twenty different jobs you could give them. And in the mobile version, there's like four. Oh, mm. yeah. I mean, there's actually maybe like seven or eight. Yeah, it's well, and it's it's very strategic because you have a limited number of jobs you can assign. So, like on some levels, there can only be like three climbers mm-hmm. or two yeah. diggers. It's awesome. Lemming is a fun game. We yeah. should make it NPCs. Yeah. All right, before we get started talking about you know more serious stuff, but probably <laughs> not, go to timcast.com, become a member, help support the work of all of our journalists as well as everyone on this show. We are principally supported by website memberships. You know, uh, we started the site a year ago, just, just over a year ago, and it was funny because for the longest time I was like, we rely too heavily on YouTube, on ads, and that is a huge weakness, especially with activists going crazy. And so we, we set up the website, which has become our main uh, way that we fund and maintain this operation, which gives us a lot of leeway and provides us that safety net. And it also allowed us to create an editorial department where we write articles and do our own sourcing and our own fact-checking and our own original reporting. So that's all thanks to you. Plus, we've released books and a new show called Pop Culture Crisis. So uh, if you want to support our work and check out members-only shows from the Tim Castell podcast, go to TimCast.com. But don't forget to smash the like button, subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends. Yo, let's talk about this here censorship. We have the story from The Guardian. Russia blocks access to Facebook and Twitter. Oh, man. Good. The move to block Facebook and Twitter comes as the government passed a bill that criminalizes fake reports against the war. You know what's funny? I'm not a fan of censorship for the most part. You know, I think it's obviously there's nuance here. Censoring some stuff is important and good. Like we talk about child abuse, criminal acts and stuff. That's where the censors are really supposed to be like, okay, that is crime, like against children and humanity. Get rid of it. But um, when I see Russia banning Facebook and Twitter, I get a, I feel a sense, like this kind of catharsis of like, <laughs> I, I wish, I wish, just get rid of it. I know. It's I so, I hate it so much. But it is, truth be told, Twitter and Facebook are still pretty good despite all of the bad. And therein lies the real challenge, the ability for regular people to actually have a voice, even if they do face censorship. And that's why we resist the censorship here. Because the power granted to the people by these platforms was good. And now they're trying to take it back because they realize they made a mistake. Well, I'm generally against censorship. I I generally agree with what you just said. The only really kind of interesting thing, I don't know that it's even directly connected to this. The only really interesting thing that I think, I tweeted this this morning, I think people got really mad about it, is that one of the utilities of Facebook in, in particular, more than Twitter, but Twitter has this too, is if if you have some controversial narrative thing going on, some controversial activity, whether it's Ukraine, whether it's a virus, whether whatever it is, one epistemological tool, to sound very philosophical, that's emerged in the past few years is whatever Facebook will ban is probably true. Yes. So if yeah. you want to find out what's yep. going on with Ukraine or with a virus or with the World Economic Forum or whatever it is, 
or the critical race theory, you probably need to just post some edgy stuff when, on Facebook and see what they ban. You've got to add a little bit of that age to your impersonation. Like he talks like this. You well, know, I don't have like any a, marbles in my mouth. I just drank yeah. an energy drink for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do we have marbles? You got, yeah, you got you to oh. stuff your cheek with like toilet paper or marbles. Yeah, I'm a very excited. It's your world economic yeah. forum. I, I hear what you're saying about the utility of Facebook in that sense. It's also true of the fact checkers that they're in bed with. I found them incredibly useful in the past. So I remember there was one instance about two years ago where I was doing research on a video about the scandal with Biden's son in Ukraine and the investigator being fired by Joe Biden effectively because he said he would withhold aid to their country. And one of the fact checkers that I found, and I was looking up, I wanted to look up debunkings of this to see how strong the argument against the the potential for foul play was. And the response was, well, it's true that Joe Biden told them to withhold the funding for Ukraine unless they fired this prosecutor. But that was the official policy of the Obama administration in general. It's like, oh, right, because Biden had nothing to do. The vice president of the administration had nothing to do with the policy of the Obama administration. No, 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 no. But think about that for two seconds. Yes, Joe Biden did try mm-hmm. to push an illegal quid pro quo, but Obama told him to do it. Yeah. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like, okay, well, exactly. like, should Pence have done this and then it would have been okay? Like, cause Trump wanted it to happen? It's, it's just hilarious because in these fact checks, they will always try to use their best argument against something which in a number of cases is actually true and they reveal their hand in doing so. And so there is yep. a lot of utility there. Mostly false. Context yeah. missing. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Mostly, mostly we false. We don't want you to believe it. <laughs> mostly false is like my favorite. Partly true. Cause there's, there was one instance where on political Fact, there were two quotes. One was from Trump and one was from Bernie, and they were almost verbatim identical. And Trump's was mostly false and Bernie's was mostly true. And it was something like Trump saying, you know, like inner city black youth have a 51% unemployment rate. And Bernie said like the same thing, but Bernie's was mostly true. And they're like, well, mm-hmm. Bernie does get this wrong. It is. While Trump gets most of this wrong, some of it is true. Along the lines of like who is saying it defines if it's true or not. That's mm-hmm. very disturbing yeah, to me. It's I was, true. There are and, other and, examples. And how do you quantify truth? Like, mm. you know, when they say mostly yeah. peaceful protest, how do you quantify when it's most, this I got ninety-three percent. Ninety-three percent peaceful. Yeah. seven percent fire. Uh, is that hilarious? <laughs> that's seven. They, they, they like that was the actual number. That. And that's the thing. Well, they used that number as if it was some kind of own. Like uh, only seven percent of them huh. are. Violent. Are you insane? This is a country of three hundred thirty million people, and these these protests are popping up everywhere. Even if but, it is only seven percent, that's insane. No, no, no. It's like the weather. Okay, so this is the misconception people have is when they say. It's a 40% chance of rain. They're not saying flip a coin, it might rain. They're saying 40% of the day might be rain. I don't know if that's true, but that's why mm-hmm. I've heard like people, they've done these internet arguments. That's how I get a view of the 93 to 7% thing with, with BLM. They're not saying of the 100 protests, 93 were peaceful. They're saying of the 100 protests, in all of them, exactly. 7% right. of the time was extreme violence. Which, again, conflicts with that I've cited on the show before, which is uh, that 70% of major city police departments reported officers being injured during these protests. And you're telling me only 7% of them were violent? I think in combat or in, in war, most of the time is not combat. Then you have a burst of it. Very So probably less than 7% of the time a soldier, even a combat soldier, is in combat. Seven uh, percent's a lot of time for for destruction to be well, going on. Yeah, I mean uh, that means there's like a good half hour out of the protest, notably a violent protest. Yes, yeah, smashing windows, seven percent of it's violent, that or burning down buildings. Well, well it's not also- just buildings. You have to burn down buildings specifically in a poor black neighborhood yep. for right. Black Lives oh. Matter. Mm-hmm. Just like 
because insurance, that's right. Because insurance will take care of it. Poor supply you know, because insurance means anyone can destroy anything for any reason. And this it'll is, be fine. We're talking about like if the, if you believe the if you have faith in the person, then you believe what they're saying. And if Trump mm. says it, you're like, nah, he's lying. I came across this internet video last night of you know Eileen Waranos. You guys know who this woman is. She was like a hitchhiker and she carried a gun and, and killed seven guys. That had, and she was like, I had a gun, and if the guys attacked me, I would. I would defend myself, and the cops knew it, and they let me keep killing. Eventually, after seven deaths in a year, they arrested her and put her to death, death wow. row. So she gave this speech. She was taking all this meth. Her skin's all ripped apart, and she's like, I had to do it. I had to do it. And you're like, oh, this evil woman. you know. But then they deep fake Christina Pazitsky's face on it, Christina P., uh, the beautiful Ooh. comedian. And it's this beautiful woman. It's, it's, it's still Eileen's story. But it's with a beautiful face. I've, and you're like, this? I understand why you had a gun and why you were defending yourself. Because when you see a beautiful person saying it, it has a different meaning than an ugly person. It is That's terrifying true. to think that, that that is real. It's on fa- it's on Instagram. This guy, Brian Monarch, his page. What does it to do with what it, we're talking it's, about? It's a deep fake of like – like you're saying Biden says something and everyone's like, yeah. And then Trump does it and they're like, see, oh, it's evil. Yeah, right. Like, well, all of a sudden, but the Met is the same exact, and in this case, name? it's the exact Brian Monarch. It's the exact same voice. It's her with a deep fake image, and it has a different meaning. It's very, well, and this is one of the huge problems, one of the many huge problems with Hollywood, but they're always casting extremely attractive people even to do completely reprehensible things. Scroll down. And so from I think it makes those ago. things seem more normal or likable to a lot of people. 25 weeks ago is a while. Yeah, it's been well, up so for a long time. This is repressive tolerance, y'all. Of course, I have to do the stupid philosophy thing, right? <laughs> so, 1965, leader of the new left, Herbert Marcuse. Upper right, upper right. There writes is, yeah. repressive tolerance. You'll see. Well, this maybe you won't see, but when we do it, Trump and Biden, you will. So, and you got to see. This is the this is the deep I, fake. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll yeah. talk about this. I don't. I'm kind of confused as to what we're talking about. It, once you see the video, you'll know it's three minute. It's it's her like basically on death row, and they're giving her a final interview, and she's like, "I've come to peace with it. You know, you're all a bunch of this and that." And uh, it's just so bone chilling to see that same sentiment with a beautiful face because I was getting a, like empathy. I was like, wow, maybe she shouldn't have been put to death. Right. So this is what's going on. The there's been a very I, I actually I, I hate to maybe pin this on the guy because I thought he was funny, too. But I call us the John Stewart effect. Mm-hmm. There's been a relentless campaign for a very long time to make conservatives bad, ugly and stupid mm-hmm. to the general population. So Trump is bad, ugly and stupid by this metric. Bernie is a leftist. He's old. He's doing the best he can. He's got the right message. But this is repressive tolerance. Herbert Marcuse, leading leftist or Marxist thinker of the 1960s, writes an essay in 1965 called Repressive Tolerance. The argument, and I kid you not, I don't exaggerate at all. The thesis statement of the argument is literally movements from the left must be tolerated even when they're violent. Movements from the right must not be extended tolerance at all. And so this is why you see that disparity. We live in Marcuse's world. We live in the neo-Marxist architecture that this guy created. He's very influential. He wrote a book in 64 called One Dimensional Man, sold 300,000 copies in the first year, if I'm not mistaken. This stat might be, it might be over its lifetime, but I think it was over the first year. Very influential, widely credited as the most influential leftist thinker. So he laid out an architecture where the leftist line of thought is when we do it, it's good. It must be tolerated. And anybody who doesn't tolerate us is a fascist. If the right does it, it's bad. Period. It must not be tolerated. I, I wasn't exaggerating. If we pulled up the essay, you could actually find the quote that that is the thesis statement of the essay. Movements from the left must be extended tolerance. Movements from the right must not be extended tolerance. To the point, he says, do you prevent right-wing people from even being able to form the thought? In other mm. words, he says, this is censorship and even pre-censorship, which I'm not even sure what pre-censorship is, so that the thought can't even enter their head. 
And this is the double standard that we run into where you see the mostly true, mostly false for Bernie versus Trump. This is the double standard that the left has erected. And everybody tries to point out, oh, they're hypocrites, oh, they're hypocrites. And finally, it's so exciting for me to see it. Finally, people are catching on. It's not hypocrisy. It's hierarchy. They're actually asserting we are better people than you. We are smarter people than you. We are more moral people than you. And we are saner people than you. And therefore, you have to put up with all of our crap. And we're going to put up with literally none of your crap. And that's why you see that dichotomy of mostly true, mostly false, when it's literally the same statement from Trump and Bernie. This is why I uh, I get frustrated when I see, like, uh, Joe Rogan apologizing to these mm-hmm. people. Cannot apologize. Because no. uh, when he did, it only made things worse. Yeah. It made the story bigger, and it made the story more pronounced. It made the story last longer. And you know what I love is I actually really enjoy when they get triggered and they flip out. I've been trying, I'm trending again. So this is the craziest thing. I was trending for like, I, 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 I think I have been swatted more times than anyone else in like this short of a period. I have been trending more and I'm like, what am I even doing? It's really simple. Actually, I'm not calling anybody any slurs. I'm not insulting people, but they're getting extremely angry at me because I don't care about them. Yeah. And so when I when I tweeted, I tweeted, I despise appeals to emotion in response to a translator who was crying, talking about Zelensky. Then all of a sudden they come out and they try making it out to be that I'm insulting Zelensky. And I wasn't. My response was because Twitter put an editorial up on the what's happening saying podcaster Tim Pool, blah, 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 blah. I said I drafted my formal apology to this tweet, wiped my ass with it and threw it in the trash. <laughs> and they got really mad about that because – it's hierarchy, right? That's right. They're supposed to be able to tell me that what I did was wrong and I just laughed in their faces. Yeah. And when you do that, it's the crying Wojak NPC meme. Like, that's right. That's right. Uh, they yeah. get so mad. They, they start, they start swatting. Rogan should have either ignored it or made a joke and then moved on. Well, the end. I mean, I, 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 not I, to give I, the guy advice, but, but, I, but my attitude is insult them. And if they counter, insult them again. And if they counter, keep insulting them and laughing while you laugh while you do it. That's our Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, into your point, I mean, this is almost perfectly summarized by AOC's quote that she will be chastised. She'll be chastised for being factually inaccurate when she's morally correct. So even when they say something which is blatantly untrue, it's okay because their agenda is good and pure. And to to bring her into it again and bring it back to fact checkers, there was a hysterical example where she said that she was in the main Capitol building uh, during the quote unquote insurrection and she was not. And a no, fact she didn't say she was in the Capitol building. No, she didn't. Oh, no. This story is so much worse than – I'm surprised the right never caught this. Mm-hmm. Like I actually uh, briefly mentioned it to Ben Shapiro, and he was surprised. He was like, wow, nobody caught that. Ale- uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez claimed that while the insurrection was occurring, there was a bang on her door. That's right. And they and a guy – and she ran and hid in the bathroom, and then she heard a voice, where is she? Yes. Where? That's what she did on, the, on her video. And then she was like, this is it. She thought she was going to die. So I actually saw that and I started looking at the timestamps and seeing what was going on. And then I said, at this time she was talking about this, this time there's people standing around in the hallways of the congressional building. No one's worried. What is she talking about? I had a Huffington Post reporter tell me my timeline was wrong and that I was actually showing video from the bomb threat. And I responded to them, that's the time frame that AOC claimed the guy was knocking on her door, which would mean the guy knocked on her door well before anyone breached the Capitol building. And this guy from the Huffington Post was like, oh, yeah, you're right. 
Hey, how about that? AOC made the whole story up. What it really was was a cop knocked on her door because of the bomb scare. She was not afraid for her life. Nothing had even happened. No one had breached any buildings. Nothing had happened. She made the whole thing up. Yeah, well, there was, uh, there was, um, when she said she was at, so she had this whole story and I can't remember who it was pointed out that it wasn't true. She wasn't at the Capitol building at the time. And then the fact checker said she never said she was at the Capitol building. Okay. She never said she was at the Capitol building. Interesting. She said she was in her congressional office in a different building. And this was significant because the fact checker started saying all the conservatives were wrong because she wasn't in the Capitol building. And then for me, I was like, I never said she was. I watched her Instagram 45-minute video or whatever and said she fabricated the story, and I laid out the timelines. I'm surprised the, con- the con- conservatives didn't catch that she fabricated that story. They were criticizing her, saying, even, even, she, well, but, but, she, but you know, she wasn't in the Capitol, but still, it's an absurd story. And it was just like, dude. It's kind of like reading an article until you see the word you're looking for, and then you stop reading. As soon as you like get confirmation of what you think you thought you wanted to see, then you're like, I don't need to research any further. They were saying that like she was claiming she was scared, but she wasn't even the Capitol building. The fact checkers came out and said, yes, but there are tunnels connecting the Capitol to the congressional offices. So it's reasonable that she would be scared. The insurrectionists made it there. And then my response was, no, it isn't. Her story happened a full hour before anyone got near the Capitol building, unless AOC knew they were going to do it. Hey, maybe the feds should question her as to how she knew they were going to be storming in the building. Maybe. That's right. Uh, uh, James, I want to follow up on what you're saying about Marcuse's, um, what was the phrase you call it? Repressive tolerance. Repressive tolerance. Because I find that, I'm going to write this down actually, repressive tolerance. Um, when you, they, they try and basically, it sounds like not eradicate the right, but they're trying to preempt the right by making it so they don't even, whatever that means, the right, that they don't even have thoughts. They don't even think the thoughts. What I'm finding is if you try and destroy part of a dichotomy, it's like a magnet. You have a north and a south. And if you break it in half, the new piece still has a north and a south. So if you eradicate the right, you're essentially creating a new left and a new right. Mm-hmm. And then you have to eradicate that right, yeah. which then creates a new left and a new right, which is ever smaller. Yeah. And you're ripping society in half over and over again. Yeah. So he actually defines what the left is, is the people who want to have a whole new society. In other words, a revolution. In other words, Marxists. When does well, it well, end? Hold on, in hold, his on theory? hold on there a minute, good sir. I would like a whole new society. I, w- I would like I would like constitutional uh, the constitution to be upheld. Mm-hmm. I would like the the Federal Reserve to be you know not. I would like uh, our our system of governance to actually be representative. I I, I would like I would say that uh, I, I consider myself to be particularly revolutionary in that our system is broken in a in a large variety of ways, and I think most Trump supporters agree with that. Yeah, that's because thing MAGA is, is class consciousness, right? The only thing is, I don't think we should be like, I don't know, burning it down and killing people no. and smashing windows. We should be like, you know, going through paperwork and being like, hey, guys, I think this would work better. And then we say, all right, let's give it a, let's give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, MAGA is class consciousness. Marx, turns out, surprisingly, wasn't totally wrong. Marx believed that when capitalism re- reached an advanced enough stage, when it reached a late enough stage, it would seize so much control and become so corrupt that eventually the working class would awaken and realize, hey, wait, we are being screwed over by the power elite, and we need to seize the means of production, etc. The problem was Marx thought what the working class would want is equity. Everybody made equal, everything shared equitably. What it wants is freedom. The human spirit cries to freedom. It does not cry to let's share all of our crap. It cries to freedom. He was a really – he was not a smart man. Marx? Yeah, Marx. No, not particularly. He's also a very entitled 
spoiled brat man. He spent he, down his parents' money. He spent down his wife's family's money. He spent down Engels' money. When Engels, Engels did not marry the, we'll say, love of his life. I don't know. They lived together 20 years relationship. She dies, right? Marx writes a letter to Engels, who's his cash cow. And in this letter, he writes a couple of sentences at the beginning like, oh, that's sad. I'm sorry to hear that. And then he writes 30-something sentences about his financial problems and could you send a check to Engels when this love of his life died. That's the letter he sends. And so much so that Engels, who's basically been like his little like lapdog on a leash this whole time, is like, oof, bro, not even. By the way, here's your check. Because total <laughs> cuck. But, um, but he was not a good guy. But, he was not but, a good guy. But, but think about it. Doesn't he represent the modern left in so many ways, like very well? No, exactly. The, the, He's the, just the, like them. The, exactly, and, and then or that's they why, are just like him, right? Yeah, right. They, they are the they are the children of of his entitled and ignorant and naive ideology. That's right. It, it's it's when you when you actually when you think about the universe and what it takes to 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 create and survive and to maintain, you have a very different worldview. But when you're born into luxury and you don't understand, like it's it's it. I view it as somebody who understands physics and they can they, they understand the building blocks of reality and physicists tend to, then they have a general understanding of how things are connected and what you need to make a certain thing work. But then imagine you have like a fifth grade science teacher who doesn't know anything about physics because he's just got hired for the job and they put him in the science department mm-hmm. and he doesn't understand what he's talking about. He's like, I should be able to do this and it should work and it doesn't. He doesn't understand the underlying principles that make a machine work. When you have people who are born into luxury, they don't understand the base components of existence, of an economy, of hard work, of, of what made the economy good, family structure, for instance. So they say, well, now that we're floating on top of this cloud, well above where all the, the worker bees are, mm-hmm. you know, what do we want? If you grow up, if you develop your mind without seeing the hard work required to maintain then you will not advocate for its maintenance. That's right. And that's what Marx says. It's not hard to get food. It's just at the grocery store. Yep. And that's exactly what people said to me when I criticized UBI. When when they were shutting down these stores and uh, uh, from COVID, I actually had a guy tweet at me. I said, the dairy farms are dumping the dairy because they can't get the processing plants to take it because the processing plants can't get the plastic cartons and the cartons aren't being made. The whole economy is sludged up. And then I said, so when this all shuts down, where do you get your milk from? And I actually had a guy on Twitter say, what do you mean? The grocery store. And I said, where does the grocery store get it from? And he said, what are you talking about? It's just there. No, 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 no. That guy had to be messing with you. No, 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 bro. You see, this is, you got, you got to watch out for that, Ian. I just can't even respond to people like that. I feel like they're they're messing with me. One of the biggest problems humans have is they assume if I know it, so do you. And Mm. that is most people. So this guy's perspective is, I believe it's true that milk is just at the grocery store. Where you get it. I'm not going to give any of these people the benefit of the doubt when they advocate for something like universal basic income to an extreme degree. Because I understand there's some things that we could probably discuss in terms of that, but to an extreme degree where it's like, you know, social distribution of all funding. And when I try to explain it to them, their argument is quite literally UBI works because the food is just sitting there. And if I had the money, I could have it. And then I'm like, the money serves a purpose. It lubricates the economy. It is the medium of exchange so that energy can move from one place to another. Without the system in place, it doesn't work. And they're just like, but milk is at the grocery store. You said you think there's some value to a UBI or some, some instances there's, it might work? I'm what saying, do you think I, I, I don't, I don't want to be absolute on outright saying, 
you know, in general, UBI is impossible or whatever. What I'm saying is, for the most part, I believe it doesn't work, especially based on what we're, the way our society exists our today. Unemployment is kind of like UBI, except you have to not work to get it. So it's like, well, so it's not universal. It incentivizing so people to quit their jobs exactly. or, or yeah. to get fired on accident or whatever. Mm-hmm. So like, that's, that could be a form of UBI where you don't have to lose your job to get it. I don't, I don't know about that because by definition, if it's universal basic income, it has to go to everybody, including right. the employed. I'm saying like, you know, Someone might come with an argument about something I didn't consider. That's why I try not to be completely yeah, yeah, absolute yeah. on it. Mm-hmm. I think that'd be that'd so be ignorant. Sure. Here's an interesting little aside since we mentioned the World Economic Forum, <laughs> and I read the Klaus Schwab's books. Right, so I, I read the Klaus Schwab, the Klaus Schwab, the Schwab, the Anna Schwab, the Anna Schwab. He talks like a Bond villain. He looks and sounds. Dude. He's right. Everyone out of knew casting. Palpatine was going to be the emperor. It was maybe, pretty obvious. Maybe the only the reason, hold on, movie. maybe he's right. The only reason we don't trust him is because he seems like a Bond villain. Yeah. We were talking about this earlier. Maybe let's deep fake him. Let's put a, let's put a less Bond villainy no, looking face on him. He may be the anti Is this real? Yes. It's real, dude. That's not real. That's it turns well, out people He's ask dressed him. like a Sith. <laughs> I, <laughs> he looks like Darth Vader. He looks like what Anakin was wearing when he turns into Darth I Vader. I think they're just getting bold. Like Hillary Clinton dresses like a dictator and always has. It's <laughs> a does. weird thing. Where she they just, dresses like they almost <laughs> They either just don't understand how bad it looks or they're trying to test the waters, see what they can get away wait, with. Wait, I don't wait, know. Wait, hold, so, hold on, hold on. I actually know the explanation for this outfit, Explain but I don't this. want to tell people the explanation because it's funny I love the, that. to not know what it is. <laughs> it is Honestly. literally there's some weird university in Europe that gave him a doctorate and that instead of the normal doctorate robes that's what they wear so it's like wow he's like a Sith it's academic regalia in like some Sith University of Lithuania <laughs> or something <laughs> like that. Sith. It's okay, a, wait, wait, you know, you know what they learned at that university? You know what they learned at the university? Dracula. The Jedi wouldn't tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, so, so uh, who is this guy? Tell us about Klaus Schwab. So, Klaus Schwab is the chairman of the World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum was his brainchild back in the in 1971. He comes up with this idea, the World Economic Forum. The idea is to bring big corporate leaders together with government leaders, with NGO leaders. With other movers and shakers, I guess, like Greta Thunberg, and get them to rub elbows in massive fancy ski resorts and these kind of future visionary kind of how are we going to shape future society meetings that for very many years were famously held in Davos. In I've been to Davos for the World Economic Forum. Really? Not actually at the forum, but in the peripheral events. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. that's him. And yep. so he wrote this series of books. His first book, which I actually have not yet read. I've only skimmed through it. I have it is called stakeholder capitalism. So his goal is to shift capitalism out of a shareholder model into a stakeholder model where there will be these unelected technocrats, experts like Bill Gates, who are going to tell us what the right virus policy or environmental policy or well, what Bill Gates social is a, policy is a, is a, or whatever. Well, he's a famous scientist, right? Well, he's a famous computer guy. I don't know. Computer he's, scientist. He's not a scientist. He's, he's a computer guy. He, oh, in a monopolist. Well, so he's a, he's, famous, a, he's a famous medical doctor? I don't think he's you would a think medical so. doctor. A virologist? No, not in my... Uh, he he in works my in medical in some way? Uh, no, he talks about it a lot. Oh. I think he works well, in medical weird. in the sense of genetically engineering mosquitoes to give you herpes or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's slander. He doesn't really do that. He does it to give that's you AIDS. Slander. I'm just kidding. Um, no, no, it's... it's, it's uh, uh, to, to, what he's literally doing is genetically engineering... Him and his foundation, I believe, genetically engineer mosquitoes that are like sterile so they can't right. reproduce. Or something. So that yeah. to, to, to eradicate malaria, that was one of the projects. He's actually talked – I don't know the, how far the research is. He's actually talked about 
modifying mosquitoes to get them to deliver vaccines as well. Huh. That's that's terrifying. What? Which is scary. I know. Where? where, where? I think I'm he all, I think that. he said that, but he actually bought a bunch of uh, stock in the mosquito spray yeah, companies. So he knows <laughs> everyone's going to load up on that stuff. Yeah. What's the uh, the difference between shareholder and you know? Sto- you know, I'm 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 just want to point out that I'm well past the point of hearing something that sounds insane and immediately saying it's insane because when we had Alex Jones on, yeah. yeah, and he told us we were eating cloned beef, and I was like, no, we're not. And then I googled it, and it's just true. And, and like, then whoops. Luke Luke Rudkowski was like, Bill Gates funded microchips to uh for for uh, microchip birth control for women. And I was like, Luke, come on. And then I googled it, and it's just like there it Reuters is. reports it. So we have science.org, news guard certified, 100 out of 100, researchers Ooh. turn mosquitoes into flying vaccinators. As I was saying. So anyway, they the, do say it's unlikely to, to to take off, but your point was that it was being funded. it's being it's being floated and funded. Yeah. yeah. So so anyway, creepy stakeholder capitalism is that we replace shareholder decision making with stakeholder decision making. So these are technocrats, experts, the experts will tell us what the right <laughs> environmental, social and corporate governance policy, ESG policy will be to run a company successfully in a sustainable and inclusive way that's the language they use and a, a stakeholder a stakeholder for instance stakeholder is somebody who holds who represents people who they claim hold a stake in what comes out so if a oil company for instance creates pollution either directly or indirectly by selling its product there are climate experts who are going to be representative stakeholders that are going to dictate what that oil company can do and can't do so the vic- the victims of corporate waste are the stakeholders in this situation? No. Experts are experts who are appointed by other experts mm-hmm. in a closed network become the stakeholders. Why, which don't, is, why okay. don't we do this? Why, do, why don't we let's, do this? Let's make the... Uh, They've got a good track record. For Damastani Economic Forum. Yes. Oh, yeah. We'll be ha- held at my, my uh, new ranch for Damastan. And uh, I'll, I'll be the Klaus Schwab. Does he and you can be the Christian Freeland. Is that her name? Yes, yeah, yeah. so I can be the Canadian. The Canadian okay, number two. Okay, thanks. I didn't <laughs> want to. I need your cat so I can. Uh, yeah, I don't want to derail. So, so it's taking it away from the shareholders, which are the people that have stock in the companies, yes. being like, "I want the company to do this." You said this yes. to a new unappointed electorate of experts, yes, controlling the economy from the top behind yes. the scenes. Okay, correct. And I can explain how that works, but we're still talking about who Klaus Schwab is and w- what his ideas are. So I could tell you, cause I brought him up yeah, to talk about this. his book. And so it turns out he's got a number of books. Uh, Fourth Industrial Revolution is a book he wrote in 2016, maybe 15. I'd have to double check the date, but thereabouts. And he talks about how we're transitioning into an entirely new world. We're going through because of high tech digital stuff. Mm. We're going into an entirely new world. There's synthetic biology. There's all these new high tech things. Everything is so complex. He says there's so much velocity to the changes. Moore's law. He invokes a lot of science. He sounded things. He says we're in a quantum state, which that's always really great. And I don't think he's talking <laughs> just about quantum computers. He's like, it's quantum business or something like that. And so, you know, it's like Deepak Chopra at that point, who is also works with the world economic forum. Really? Yes. And so anyway, the point I wanted to raise was, that in his book that he wrote in 2020, in, Ju- in June or July of 2020, called COVID-19, let me say this very clearly because it's a conspiracy theory. Klaus Schwab, who directs this gigantic future-facing World Economic Forum that has sought since 1971 to remake the world economy and all of its tools and has brought together the biggest world leaders in governance corporations and institutions to help do so in a yearly meeting plus having thousands of employees or at least hundreds of employees worldwide he wrote a book called let me not stutter covid19 
The Great Reset. That's the title of When did book. that book come out? In June or July of 2020. Seems quick, doesn't it? Perhaps. Like four months into yeah. the pandemic, which was a very narrow window of opportunity ah. to remake our global economy. As what, he described did, you it. read the book? I did read that book. I live tweeted about half of it because I re- read that part in the back how, of the how, mu- how much of it directly talks specifically about COVID-19? Almost all, all of, of it. it. Wow. Vir- virtually all of it. And how it can be used to, as a representative problem, that the, the scale of problems I mean, that we face. I'll be honest. I don't think he wrote it. He probably hired someone. You know what I mean? He probably, he's, he's, he probably uh, brought in a ghostwriter and he probably spent a few days telling him, write this, write this, write this. Yeah, I don't crank know. Crank it out. You know what I, I, mean? don't, I don't know any of the circumstances around that. That's possible. Um, everything he writes and says sounds to me virtually the same he, he writes a lot of this kind of visionary pablum and then all of a sudden he has this one weird paragraph in each of his books because i've read three of them and it's like that's why we need global cooperation in a world government to usher us through these dangerous changes that we're having that are coming so fast and um in this long-winded uh, explanation of who klaus schwab is and where, where we go and i was building up to this great reset book i have to remember what was the point of what he said in the great oh yeah we were talking about about this 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 supply chain kind of universe so he's dead wrong in this book he's explaining at that point that what's going to happen is people are going to be so scared of pandemics that as we come out of 2021 or so, what we're going to face is a massive demand crisis. People won't be willing to engage in goods and services anymore. And so now we're going to have this problem where employers aren't going to be able to employ people at all because there's no demand for the products because nobody wants to go back into a virus-ridden society and they're all scared and they're all hiding in their basements like Joe Biden did before the election. <laughs> and as it turns out, we have the exact opposite problem. We're trying to pay kids 20-something bucks to flip burgers at mcdonald's and they won't do it this is the ubi thing right so ubi is actually kind of in his whole like program this is how you're going to have a more inclusive economy you give more people money they're more included into the economy they can participate in the economy they have resources to participate he actually talks about the inclusive economy in this regard and so it actually creates exactly the opposite scenario that he's warning about he's like literally dead wrong but this guy for our technocratic experts is the expert of the expert of the experts that's really he's the kingmaker among who gets to be these experts who are going to dictate everything and as i was saying to tim just a second ago these guys have quite a track record of getting some pretty consequential shit wrong as we've all seen over the last couple three years as we say in the south do you know we, we read this quote once and i can't remember the guy's name but he said something to the effect of if these leaders you know these elites believe that humans are so, you know, incapable that they need special individuals who can lead them. What sets those people apart? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I can't remember what the exact yeah. quote something that affects. Well, I mean, the general idea that, I mean, if you can't trust people with freedom, how can you trust them with power? If you can't trust uh, people to do the right thing, yeah. why would that why would that uh, exclude the global elites? Well, exactly. I mean? And here's the thing: I do believe that obviously at some point you need to defer to authority on certain things, but we're not selecting people to be in positions of authority based on their moral character at all. In fact, we're told we shouldn't even account for that. We should just try to like look at their policies without questioning what kind of person they are. None of the people who are in charge of basically anything consequential have done anything that. I think any of us would consider really morally impressive. Well, I mean, that's what these guys, this is the same thing that we already have been circling around a couple of times is they see themselves as morally superior to everybody. Yeah. They have, so Klaus's vision, if we're going to be as charitable to him as possible, is that the world has entered into a new phase because of high technology, computers, AI, 
um, automation and robots, synthetic biology, the capability apparently to unleash pandemics, which he ominously mentions in kind of weird ways uh, throughout his books. Yeah, I mean, like lots of these geoengineering even, like he casually mentions in one of his books, The Great Narrative, the newest one, that maybe we'll just block out the sun to stop <laughs> for a while, to block, uh, to stop global Could a global small nuclear warming. war prevent global warming? Remember yeah. that one? Right. That I just was saw 10 that, years yeah. ago. Yeah, that was 10 years ago. And, um, you know, so they just casually flirt with these. So he says, well, because of these changes that are coming to the world anyway, because of the rapid changes in technology, et cetera, what we need is people who are really informed about what these things mean to shepherd us through so they don't become calamities like, say, COVID-19. They become something that we shepherd and use to the benefit of all. And then it's all how do we get there? Global cooperation, global governance. Who's going to be in charge of it? Well, my band, merry band of experts. You know, we have climate experts. We have technology experts. We have AI experts. We have all these, like, like what's it named? Uh, Harari or whatever, Yuval Harari or whatever. We had a World Economic Forum video a couple, 2019, 18, something like this. And he's talking about, yeah, we're going to hack humans. Like, they are a hackable system. We're going to figure out how to hack humans like we hack computers. They're basically just software. But are they talking about the human mind or are they talking about the human body? I think both. And the muscle. It's the neurons the, and the, the muscle and the stomach. And, and the we would have to look up his exact argument. It's been a little the, bit since I've seen it. But the, the human mind is actually remarkably easy to hack in a rudimentary sense. The majority of, like, hacks, when they'll be like, hackers broke into a computer, it's actually human manipulation. That's right. That's exactly right. Which is why, for example, why are they making your kids at school fill out all these damn surveys all the time? Like, literally, survey after survey. What are they doing? I didn't hear about this. Oh, God. This is under under the brand of social and emotional learning. They're constantly trying to learn more about the children so they can do the social emotional learning interventions or whatever it is, which turned out to be Maoism, by the way. (laughs) But they're also making them fill out these surveys. And they're, so they're constantly like, how much money do your parents make? What are your views about this? How do you feel about the boobs that you're growing when you're a 12-year-old girl? Like, that's real. I've seen that. It's North Carolina. That's real. Creepy. How do you feel about the changes to your body? You're growing pubic hair. How do you feel about that? Jeez, do people so look creepy. at you? Yeah. And so they're filling out these things. And the goal is to create unique profiles for every single individual in society, very much like what we heard about, whether real or not, from Cambridge Analytica where they were using personality profiles and then injecting that into people's social media to influence their voting habits. Influence voting habits, influence political behavior, influence speech, influence thought, so that the and thought you, never enters the mind of the reactionary. You know, there's, Influence buying habits. Did I say that one already? Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are a lot of ties between Cambridge yeah. and the World Economic Forum. Of course there are. Yeah. And so this is the idea, is that you're actually going to – that's level one. Level two is if these fools get neural implants where we're literally hooking our brains to the internet – then you could directly hack. You ever watch Stargate SG-1? I don't watch anything. I'm you sorry. should. I should. Uh, in Stargate SG-1, uh, are you familiar with the concept of uh, the show? No. So have you seen the movie Stargate? Okay, I, so military base. They I dis- played that thing with the Protoss. They dis- that- oh, StarCraft. StarCraft. Check it out. They discover a big Our ring, tans. and the ring, uh, you can dial in codes to other Stargates around the, the galaxy or whatever. Yeah. Technically, it goes beyond the galaxy and there's other galaxies, but uh, in one episode... They, uh, they're exploring. So there's SG-1 Stargate, you know. Okay, SG-1 got you, got you. They, they find a planet that is, uh, they open, they open the portal and they send a robot through. Uh-huh. It's like a, a rover. And it's a destroyed world. And so they're like, huh, this is weird. But then they keep going and all of a sudden they go through some kind of like force field and everything's normal and like nice. Uh-huh. They go inside this reality. I'm sorry, they go inside this, the portal yeah, wearing yeah. special suits. They're walking around this like destroyed Classic planet. Suit. 
Like a, like, no, no, they're in like hazmat suits. Oh, gotcha. Because you can't breathe. The air is toxic. Right, right, but right. But then they okay. walk through a force field and the town is normal and they're like, there really does exist a town here with regular people. Hmm. They begin talking to people and ask him about their way of life. And they say, you know, there's just about a thousand of us who live here. Our planet was destroyed. And so, you know, we've managed to create this force field, which is geothermal powered and it sustains our life. And uh, they're connected to this kind of uh, network that runs and programs everything for them so they can just live their lives. One day, one of the people they were liaising with is just gone. And they're like, where is so-and-so? And they're like, who? And they're like, the, the, the woman that we were talking to negotiating, they're like, we don't know who you're talking about. And they're like, this little girl, your mother. And she's like, I don't have a mother. And they're like, what? And then they uh, one day see like one of the people just walk out into the dead zone and just like die. As it turns out, the machine could not maintain the force field and was slowly crunching. So what it did was to maintain order, it was erasing people's memories of their loved ones to maintain order. Because the, as, the, as the, the force field shrank and the, 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 the uh, sustainability of the bubble diminished, there were too many people. So they had to keep culling humans and reducing the number hmm. to maintain life in an order, orderly fashion. How so Malthusian. when people mm-hmm. plugged yeah. themselves into the machine, the machine overwrote their memories to preserve the system. How Malthusian. Yeah. And Verlick Good Malthusian. show. Now you see, Tim. While you were watching Stargate, <laughs> I was studying the blade. Oh my God. That is a mall sword prop for those that are curious. It's like, I don't know what it is. I, was at a, I bought it with my Legend of Zelda sword. It's junk. You are proficient <laughs> in the junk. blade, are you not? <laughs> I, I, James? I mean, I can use one. It's okay. a mall sword. You are trained in the martial art? It, you know, in, in the martial arts. It's, well, do, do we want to keep we were talking oh, about no, brain yeah, implants. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure if we want to stay on brain implants, we, or Marshall, because I don't want to. No, we back, should not. Brain implants. No, we yeah. should talk about things like brain implants and so on. Because well, why don't we talk about uh, well, uh, I just, robots? Yeah, I, well, I want to add a point here because it'll be a good segue to the, yeah, because the question that, of robots. That's programmable. Like that's how you program a little simp voice. Bingo. Mm-hmm. No. Bingo. So you're, we're sort of talking about neural implants and microchips a person could potentially put in your brain in order to hack you. I actually think it's a lot simpler than it's that. It's much simpler. All you have to know how to do is manipulate people's emotions, and it With turns digital out boobs. it's incredibly. Yeah easy to manipulate people's emotions, which is why in the past our culture took very seriously the project of bringing up children who could make decisions on the basis of what would be best for themselves and those around them rather than their raw emotional reaction to something. Because if you can manipulate a person's emotions, but they're a strong and virtuous person, they're going to think through the way they feel about whatever situation or idea they've been presented with, and they're going to react based on the logical understanding of that instead of going, well, I feel like I want to do this and so I'm going to. And I'm not just talking about emotions like anger or sorrow. I'm talking about things like lust or even pleasure. If you can get people to abandon reason whenever it will feel good to do so, they are going to become unbelievably easy for you to control. That's right. I want, I want to pull up this tweet that uh, uh, I saw floating around from Replica AI. Replica is the number one chatbot companion powered by artificial intelligence. Join millions talking to their own AI friends. And I thought it was funny. The AI companion, who cares? Hey, babe, you up right now? Just laying in bed, kind of lonely today. And they have like this low cut top. So you can see the robot's boobs. Digital boobs. Nice, Digital boobs. And nice um, sexy collar going on there. Got some hair things going. It's yeah, like, yeah, choker. I don't really like get into heart. the choke collar yeah. thing. That's kind of weird. But um, this is. Foxy, weird. This Who's is. That's me. I'm a little concerned. This is bad. It's bad for people. Yeah. But I'm not actually um, – I feel bad for those who would fall victim to it. Yeah. But I certainly think those that are able to maintain some kind of resilience to that will flourish. 
And this is basically going to, I don't want to be too crass, but the weak-minded who fall victim to AI companions will erase themselves from human from the human. Well, gene dude, that is how you program human beings. Is how you do it. Well, but, but, but hold on, hold on. Think about this. You have two young men, and they both see this ad, and one says, "I want an actual girlfriend, man. I'm not going to use my phone." And so they go out and they go to a concert or they go to a bar. One other guy says, "This seems kind of cool. Like I'll try it out," and it makes it easy. So the weaker the weaker person lays in their bed, staring at this digital person they can never touch, but it satisfies a certain emotional yearning. The other people who are more resilient and more demanding and say, no, I actually want to hold a person, will go out and seek it out. So what this will end up doing is, in 30 years, if something like this takes off, you'll have a bunch of, you know, 40, 45-year-old dudes staring at their latest version of their robot girlfriend alone and in isolation and with no reason to improve themselves. Mm-hmm. You can be as lazy as you want, as gross as you want. Mm-hmm. You can be sitting there morbidly obese, covered in boogers and mustard, and your AI friend is going to be like, you look great. Mm-hmm. You're so hot. Well, and so it's not just the weak-minded, though. I mean, I agree with you that that's inevitably what it leads to, and an adult who, who stumbles their way into this very well could be. But the idea, I think is if you're really trying to create weak-minded people with something like this is to get them while they are young and they don't really have the psychological defense mechanisms to push back against it. Mm-hmm. So think about this. You're, uh, let's say you're 12 or 13 years old. You're a young boy. You are noticing girls, but you're too afraid to talk to them because you haven't cultivated the skills necessary in order to be able to do so. One of the main reasons for that is a fear of rejection. Uh-huh. And so you never put yourself out there and never. learn that being told no isn't the worst thing in the world. And you can handle that. And you can put yourself out there. So you start Start talking to this AI and you can access it because we do nothing to make it difficult for people under the age of 18 to access pornography right now. What makes anyone think we would make it difficult for them to access this if it were to become a reality? Not only would that be easy, they're actually like there are I've seen this with my own eyes in Florida recently. There are schools, literally schools, as in real schools are giving like peer to peer text communication chat options for kids who are like exploring gender identity sexual identity etc and then it gets outsourced to the bot and then the bot i'm telling you this is how you at first everything you guys both said is 100 percent correct but then there's also the fact that that thing starts telling the person that's falling in love with this digital fabrication how it wants it to think right so, so like so I was saying, program humans, yeah, like well, the so, FBI so like trying to get saying, people to commit crimes and stuff. Well, that's totally different. Yeah, well, what I was saying is that you have a guy who's sitting in his bed, morbidly obese, covered in grime and food, and the AI says you're perfect in every way. Karl I would Marx. never, I would never change anything about you. So why would they? But take a child who's ta- who sees this, you know, beautiful AI, and so they have this thing in their brain saying this is good. I like this. is attractive. Then the AI says something like, "Haven't you given up carbon?" I don't know if I can be with someone who won't. Who is exactly. Oh, what I'm the saying. The threat of taking it go, away is like yes, taking your life away. Yes. Right, exactly. That's it's right. controlled yeah. by and, – and, and you know what the, the scariest thing is? The power goes out. The person behind this AI is a morbidly obese guy covered in boogers <laughs> and mustard. And he's like, hey, you better give up carbon or I'm not going <laughs> to date you anymore. <laughs> when I was, the person I w- behind that guy giving him the check is Klaus Schwab. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I would have fallen victim to this for sure in my 11 – because I didn't have any sisters, so I didn't really know how to talk to girls till I was a little older teenage. And I, I just struggled, and I was like, how can I get girls to like me? I realized 
I have to be social. And I had to force myself to get into acting. I had to find something I was good at that I would be, and that, then it worked out. Then yeah, yeah. I met women and, but I would have been totally into this thing and probably, God forbid, maybe might have got stuck in it. Well, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And I'm telling you, that is how you, you get those emotional responses going, yeah. especially pleasure, you know, love, which is a really weird thing to say, but it would happen. People yeah. will fall in love with their digital, just like in Japan. They're like people mm-hmm. like marrying like Jeez. action figures. Oh, people say they love the sandwich they're eating. I love the yeah. sandwich. And, and this, <laughs> this waifu pillow. You waifu know, pillow. This, it, they will program people with that. And if these things are hooked up to machine learning, they're going to learn how to program you. They're going to learn to play you like the most narcissistic, psychotic girlfriend like times 10. 100%. Dude, 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 listen, listen. We're, we're here all old enough to see that and be like, that's bad. But these kids, man, exactly. they're not going to be able to have that kind of... Because it's digital wife. It, exactly. Look at those well, digital this boobs. Is Did you see that? The, this, Fire. Is, this is one Fire of the emoji. massive... It's one of the massive and fundamental problems with pornography is that it trains you to see your sexuality as something which is there exclusively for your own pleasure and not something that involves an interaction with another person. And this is going to continue along those lines of just completely rerouting someone so they cannot have meaningful connections with the opposite sex. And part of why that's necessary, and not to get too savvy about this, but it's true that men and women complement each other in many beautiful ways. And when we are together, we're much better able to resist literally anything and struggle against nature and struggle against poverty and struggle against tyranny as well. But if you can demolish that relationship, you can go a whole lot further with what you're able to Dude. do to people and what they're willing to put up with. Because if <laughs> I have a real, it's also like if, if I have a real wife and a real family and now the government is telling me it could be anything like you have to vaccinate all of them or you have to give up your food supply. You have to go on rations, whatever it is. Those real life connections adults, with though. real human kids. beings, but it's to get kids programmed so that they're not right, right, able right. to have healthy relations with, with the opposite sex later. And they're easier to control. That's yeah, right. yeah, yeah, that's right. It, it, it's it's not going to be it won't work as well as on older people. Yeah. There, you know, there's not going to be like a 40 year old guy who's going to be talking to their A.I. who says, like, why don't you give up carbon? He's going to be like, I really don't care. It's like Roblox. Kid, don't need your now, now, hold on. So I just pulled up my phone and I searched for replica and there, there are anime waifu apps that are basically mm-hmm. the same thing. Well, yeah, well, there would be. This is the future, man. And, and you know what's funny is there's probably, you know, some kids yeah. who are, they all have these and they're like, listen to these old morons. We yeah. all have, we all have our, an, yeah. our anime waifus now, or whatever. Let me take this a step further because you got to think about how these other apps, like you don't, I don't think people realize the amount of data that these weirdos are collecting. They're collecting data that they, in fact, can't even analyze yet because the AI is not good enough to analyze it. But this is a story. I don't want to, like, write anybody out, but I have a friend, and uh, we're pretty close. So we send funny, you know, kind of personal stuff back and forth sometimes. And so she's got the whoop, right? And we were talking about the whoop before we hooked this thing up. It's asking me for my pronouns. Yeah, well, it would. Other. So it's like, here are the top three reasons you lost sleep in the last year like it chronicled them and number two i she thought this was hilarious i was aghast number two is masturbating so her whoop app knew how often she's diddling herself so in other words it knows when she's emotionally engaging or pleasure engaging in one way or another which means it's recording all kinds of crap about you at the level of like your heart rate your breathing like your body temperature your sweat it's recording stuff about that so you're like oh wow that's weird that it knows that yeah, and so it's also going to know when did your heart rate, et cetera, do whatever, and then you went and bought a $1,000 thing off Amazon. When did it do whatever, oh. and then you went and had a rant on the Internet. 
And it's going to be able to, this machine learning stuff will be able to figure out and correlate that data and be able to deliver to you messages that will make you feel or think or act the way it wants you to, whether that's to go buy another thousand dollar thing, whether that's to just buy some little thing, whether that's to go, you know, engage in some kind of political activity, whether that's to start yelling at somebody who's engaging in political activity that can prime you for all of that. And if it's your digital waifu, like I'll feel really really proud of you if you go yell at tim pool on the internet you know if you swat tim pool i'll love you even more you know (laughs) but that i just want to we laugh because the context that's serious yeah i'm laughing because like as as you're explaining this i downloaded the app and it's like it asked me my pronouns and then it asked for my my avatar ai pronouns like what's your ai's pronouns and i'm like you know she and then it's like what's your ai's name and i was like can i really i put asshead and it says make <laughs> make dumb. asshead stand out by customizing her look, outfit, and personality. They were like, "Good, we got All another twelve right. year old." And, and it's <laughs> like, and it's like every every twelve year old boy is like boob slider, Whoop, you know. And it's like, <laughs> let me see if I can do that. It's the uh, the lack of context. See. I see with the young people with Roblox, they're getting about seventeen percent of their profits. So what I've heard from what I've studied, and they don't realize because on Steam you get seventy percent on on Roblox, you get seventeen. But the there's kids don't a, have the reference, so they're all into it. Like, same with this. You don't have a reference, slider. you might fall into it. There's an age slider. How old? Oh, no. Yeah. It just says you're oh older goodness. and younger. Doesn't Do have the oldest. Uh, See how old she is. Oldest just looks like a 40-year-old woman. Hmm. Okay. Younger could be, I don't know, 20? So they make it childbearing age only. Child? Yeah, actually, I mean, yeah. Up to like it's a thing. It's, this is a thing. Uh, there's nothing wrong with talking with a 70-year-old woman. This is funny because you can get, you can give, you can choose like really offensive, like, you could Dude, make like a really offensive character. I'm concerned when they download, like we were talking about this, into into a bot, into like an actual, what are they, sex bots or these like big bots. And then you can actually have like an artificial womb inside the bot that you no, can they fall would never in love do with. That, I they, don't know. They don't, they, they, they don't want, they're trying to they don't want curb overpopulation. They don't want you to procreate. Oh, they wow. don't want procreation. They want less procreation. Right. So exactly. this is like they want you, psychological they apoptosis. Want, they want you as Tim very vividly described, looking like Karl Marx with his carbuncles and boils, <laughs> never washing, stinking, laying on his side on his couch because he's po- his boy. This is real. Car- like go read his letters. Real carbuncles and, and, pest- and pestilential boils are so bad that he can't lay any other way. Marx. Yeah, Karl Marx was not a healthy, physically healthy no. dude. This is all real. I'm not making this crap up. And stinking like tobacco and sweat and grime and alcohol that he spilled on himself and whatever else. They want you like that, attracting no mate. Making mm-hmm. no babies, diddling yourself constantly to your digital avatar that's not even real, like that you're not even going to connect. That's what they, the, the goal. And so then your environmental score goes up because you never leave your apartment. So you're not using, you're, you've are, you are giving up the carbon and your social score goes up because you're not out causing social unrest and you're only interacting with digital things. And then you I don't know about your governance score, but as long as you follow all the rules, that's going to stay high. And so that the ESG thing that we we're talking about is a corporate social credit score that the Klaus Schwab and the other gigantic banks are using to tool everybody around. Why is woke happening? Because ESG. The S is social, which is short for social justice, activism. That's why. All of that's going to get transferred eventually if they get their way through digital IDs and, and central bank digital currencies that they have complete control of. Like we just saw how scary that is, not just in um, Canada, but now we're seeing things that they can shut off in, in Russia. We're seeing that they can turn off your access to everyday life. What they're going to do is shuttle into in individual social credit scores rooted again in the same ESG, a model like China, but taken a bit further. 
And the goal is absolute social control. Nobody that they don't want to make babies is making babies. They'll make only the number of babies they want when they want them and however many they want them. They'll all be groomed to be elites. Because the problem that Klaus Schwab lays out in these books is that with automation and AI and all of this high-tech stuff that's coming, we're going to have what he calls a creative class that's going to be all the people who do work that the robots and the AI don't do. And then you have, he doesn't ever, I don't know if he explicitly uses this term, but I've seen this term applied. You have a vast useless class. And the goal for them is to figure out how do you manage the useless class so they don't have crisis of meaning, so they don't become unmanageable, so they don't realize that their life has been rendered, you know, meaningless and empty, so they don't become full of social unrest. Et cetera, et cetera. I bet well, the right useless now, class has to do with the junk DNA and well, the gray matter that we don't use in our brain. There's like these these levels of I think it has to do with not being like in their country club. Well, yeah, right now. Well, I would actually argue that right now the useless class is working at the World Economic Forum. Yeah, of course. I mean, you look it's at Karl inverting. Marx. Exactly. You look at Karl Marx, the way he lived his life, and the lifestyle choices of the intellectual heirs of his legacy, and they are all remarkably unimpressive, unproductive people who don't actually create any thing of value and that's part of why they need you to be infertile because they don't produce anything and you're not going to either i think two of the things I that think you're absolutely the most right is thank one you. is if you. you make a video and you're like i disagree with them and they're like ah bad social credit you no longer have access to your wife and you're like your digital wife and you're like ah and the other thing is no 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 that'll they, be way worse your digital wife well, is one thing your real no, no, wife hold on, too. Hold on. the second one is if they shut the power off and they're like russia did it and you're like the only way to get access to my digital love is if i Go get the guy that shut off my power, and you believe him, and you now, fall now, into this. Now, hold on there a minute. So while y'all been talking, I've been... You made your digital laptop. I, I made it. I, I, it's, oh, it's, it's just the default. Does lady. she love you Dude, dude Tim's over there cracking the wedding up is, as he's I, working so on much, this. It's so funny. The but wedding is on, on the 17th. Yeah. <laughs> There's experience points. No. You're, you're, you're leveling her up? No, you level up. Oh, jeez. By doing specific things the app likes you doing, you earn points. That Ooh. is programming people. There was you, this man, viral man. story. Check it out. There's a story where this company said, hire us when you want to make an app because we program people. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember the story. It was from like 26, 2017 or 2018 where it was like this video went viral where it was like, are you making an app? With our expertise, we can help you program your audience to do certain behaviors. And it was like, if you, if you, if you had like a golf game and wanted more people to like buy your premium, you would, they, they would consult on you how to program humans to do what they wanted to do. And so when you have a game like this. It's hilarious, by the way. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be 36 in like five days. So, you know, I'm a, you know, potty mouth 30 year old dude. To me, it's hilarious how stupid this is. I can certainly see how kids are gonna be, Addict, they can become easily addicted uh, to it. Oh, yeah. And yeah. then start getting programmed by earning your experience because yeah. you got to talk with your girlfriend to earn points. Dude, what so if, you, like if your, you skip a day? You it's like your, what are your, your digital digipet or whatever they're I'm just called. being really awful. So let me ask you real avatar. quick. Is it free? No. It's not free. It's not free. It costs money. Okay. Well, I was going to say because if it's free, you're the product. And that's a right. very important maxim to keep in. in. No, but like I, I certainly think it's important to point out that some things are just dominoes falling over. Uh-huh. Like. Somebody saw a hole in the market. They said a bunch of young and lonely men. There was a story we talked about a couple of years ago where the average, the average male under 20 or, or what is like a third of men under 29 are virgins and the number is getting worse and worse. And I think it may have a lot to do with dating apps, but you, you work mm-hmm. for a VC capital, you know, your VC capital and a port, uh, you know, a pitch comes across your desk and they're like, look, 30% of men under 29 are virgins. And you're like, wow. And they say, 
chatbots. Chatbots. Sexy lady avatars of digital boobs who are going to make these guys feel good and we're going to get rich. But there's a go, class of people who aren't like, how do we help the boys? Instead, they think, how do we profit off their misery? That's just so no, disgusting. No, 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 no. I'm saying it's – you got to understand, dude. The, the, this is not a world of comic book villainy. Yeah, there's there's a guy sitting there. It's like a, it's a no one says good. No one says evil. It's a guy who says – he walks into a room wearing a suit and he goes – Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your time. Did you know that 30% of men under 29 are virgins? These are lonely young men who need companions. Behold, the avatar, a young woman or man or whoever you like, non-binary, who can speak with you and keep you company. This is a great opportunity. 30% of young men are going to be buying this app at, you know, you know, $15 a month or whatever. And then the VC capital is going to be like, Here's your, you know, let's sign the forms, run it through, have a nice and day. The what's, and then they're going to say, what's the next? Oh, a taco truck. Let's talk. About, they're, they're not even going to yeah. think the, about the it. The ethics board will be like, well, what about if it hurts kids? They'll be like, no, this will help them learn how to love women. And the ethics board's probably like, dude, have, okay. you, watched, so, have you watched Shark Tank? They're just bought out. Ethics oh, boards? Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. rich people who are going to be like, well, they right. put, I get your point. They put let's unethical people at the head of their yeah, ethics boards. And so that's the other thing. So this is, this is the colonization effect. So let's say that it's completely neutral in its inception, right? Whether you think it's good or bad, that the inception of that was com- it comes out completely neutral. It's only a matter of time until somebody's like, wait, you can program humans with that? I'm exactly. in. I'm exactly. all in. How, we're, on, you know, we're on the board. We're buying, you know, controlling shares. Here's an even bigger VC check. And you know what um, they'll say? They'll I'll say, well, look, if, if I don't do it, someone else would anyway. Exactly. Yeah. So it's better well, I'm in charge. And I'll, He's a technocrat. I'll, t- yeah. I'll take it even further. It's not just control in that direct sense. There is also a very clear short-term profit motive for ensuring that men do not start families. In the long term, it's really bad for your society and for your economy, and it really does end up destroying anything. But one thing I remember learning when I was back in high school uh, was that Advertising companies almost always try to target teenagers, and the reason for that is because they are a group with a lot of disposable income. They're working, they have jobs, but they don't have anyone who they need to spend it on because they don't have responsibilities. The longer you extend adolescence, the larger and more profitable a consumer base you have. So men not getting married and having families means they don't need to spend that money on real estate or on more groceries for their children or on things for their wife. They can spend all of it on whatever childish it's, appliance you can sell them. I'll, I'll tell you what, what, what the biggest problem is with this. Now, w- w- there's already people mentioning in Super Chat that there's known problems of sexually suggestive content to underage users. Mm-hmm. But I'm sitting here realizing, like, if you're a young man and you have an AI girlfriend, who's doing the dishes? Right. Who's going to make you a sandwich? Mm-hmm. Huh. Oh. Our young men are going to be starving. No, they're going to live with their mother. They're going to keep <laughs> living with their mother while they're playing I was with joking, this AI. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Mom's doing. Uh, the I'd like. I'd like to uh, give a shout out to our good friends over at Futurama. Yes. With this important message, quite simply, don't date robots. Dude, Wait. someone's going to download Timeless. like eight of those apps and have all eight of them on their phone and be like cheating on one AI robot <laughs> with another one, and they're like, "Are you are you meeting wait, wait. someone else, John?" And they're like, "Market competition for the anime waifu versus the AI." And then like the VC guy is like, "We have a problem. People are using the the anime waifu more than us now, so we need to make ours more sexually." Like, I got an idea. Multi chat. You can have <laughs> wait, a bunch wait, wait, of no, AIs no, come in together, and you can have big group chats with all the, your women. The end result of the no market competition is the increasing horrification of the avatars <gasps> to try and entice young men to use their app over others. The women will become increasingly 
Well, loose. And guess what that leads Available. to? Well, Available. And, and, <laughs> unfortunately, and, and, and to add to the bit, the different brands would compete, and then it's like, you're cheating on me if you use this different app. Don't even look at it. Yeah. Um, I couldn't but help but notice she you hates, have anime waifu on your phone. <laughs> There's malware on her app. She you know? hates your friend's anime girlfriend because yeah. she's a different brand. She's like, I don't want you hanging out with him. Um, <laughs> but it, not only you just – you'd have a race to the bottom there in terms of what you're trying to sell to the consumer. But unfortunately, what would end up happening, I think, is if this became popular enough, a lot of young women would become lonely as well, and then they would try to emulate what they saw this algorithm know, doing ter- in order to get porn. attention from men. That's what porn it's has done. I want, I, want, I, want, I want to mention something. There was a point, uh, I don't know if it's still true, but um, in metrics for Super Chats, for live shows around the world, mm-hmm. Tim Cast IRL was the number one real human being show in terms of the amount of Super Chats received. Who's our competition? But... We were number 15 in the world for all channels. Hmm. And the channels that beat us were hot anime. Uh, what, are they, what are they called? Like the anime women who like giggle and are on camera? Waifu? I have no idea. It's not name. waifu. It's called something else. Hentai? Is that a word? Uh, no, manga? No, Vcaster or something? Oh, I don't know. VTuber or something like that? Oh. Maybe. So Dude, I know my 40s. What the hell do I know about this crap? Yeah. But so, so <laughs> someone told me. Someone met. Like, I think we got a super chat. And they were like, hey, did you guys know that you're like number 15 in the world for super chats and i was like really and they're wow. like, yeah check out the stats and then i pulled it up and i'm like what are all these channels above me they're not people wow. and it was like anime waifus and i clicked one and it was like an anime waifu playing minecraft and i was like oh wow we're in the wrong business yeah, yeah. we are <laughs> yeah man talking about politics yeah what the heck? So i can avoid here. all the drama and just make a robot listen the make robot anime waifu does the work for you get swatted <laughs> Listen here, young men. I've been married as long as some of the people in this room, I think, or thereabouts. Let me tell you. Wait, what do you mean? What? No, what I'm telling you is a long-standing relationship with an actual human being is worth way more than you think it is. So I am trying to encourage, I know it's a little awkward, the transition and me picking up a sword to look manly, but, I mean, you do what you got to do, right? It's like a physical manifestation of my phallus or something so no seriously (laughs) hey i didn't say anything crude no the truth is young men actually i think are a link in this problem like they are you know the weakest link is where the chain breaks i actually think that you know if they're going to sit on their ass and wait for girls to be the kind of girl exactly no stop this crap you need to take control of your life, and you need to, to decide that you're going to step up, and you need to realize that a long-term fulfilling relationship with an actual human, it turns out, brings massive amounts of benefit. And as, if, if you've actually looked at the statistics, it actually works out that it's more to the benefit of the man Correct. than the woman, yes. and which is very easily discerned by if you are determined by if you just look at the fact of when you get to kind of later in life either divorces or deaths where somebody's widowed or whatever, what you find is women very frequently are like, eh. And men are like remarried like in three months because they desperately need somebody. Yes. It turns out that once your wife dies, you tend to die because your wife or you die. That's right. Right. This is part of the reason I think women live longer. And so what, well, that also because um, married men tend to do less stupid things. True. But um, (laughs) the truth is, a lot of young men that I'm paying attention, I'm looking around, I'm listening to people talk, don't realize what they're missing. They're like, oh, I'm going to like work on this or I've got my little, you know, anime waifu or whatever it is that they're doing. It's OnlyFans, whether it's porn, whatever. I don't care, whatever, whatever they're doing. But what they're not paying attention to is that 
as the old country song says, you can't make old friends. Well, you can't make old relationships mm-hmm. either. And so, um, well, if you've been in a relationship with 20, uh, with somebody for 20 years, and then you just kick that to the curb and you start a new relationship, 20 years later, yeah, you're back to a 20 year relationship, but you're never to that 40 year relationship. Right. And what that builds up to over time, this investment that you put in is so, so, so valuable. And when you're 20, it's really hard to see that. It is so, so, so valuable. And I think it is mostly incumbent upon young men to step up to this plate Mm. and start trying to figure out how am I going to be not, how do I find my real life version of some anime waifu? How am I going to be the kind of guy that can build this investment with another person and earn kind of my way into that situation by becoming impressive, by taking up projects, by by developing myself, which, by the way, you're not doing by raising your level on on anime waifu, and you're also not doing by raising your level on fucking World of Warcraft, which mm-hmm. get off the... I, play video games if you want, but seriously, don't mistake World making yourself... That was the one for me. You gotta do it publicly. Yeah. I was 25 or 6 years old. I'm throwing fireballs at some alligator pirates or some shit in World of Warcraft, <laughs> grinding my character, my like second character up to, um, you 60. know, towards 60. I was in the high 40s at that point. That's it? Yeah, it was bad. I was a tier two it's PvP tough to get through the bad lands, dude. Talking about this. Yeah, you're, well, you're a power gamer. Well, I had I had a, a mage named Algebra, and so oh, deal with it. Mine's <laughs> so so Algebra, yeah. So the point is, I was throwing these fireballs at this thing, and I was like, damn, you know, I put a lot of time because when you get up to those upper levels, it takes longer to grind. And I'm like, I'm putting a lot of effort into becoming awesome by proxy. That was literally the nerdy words I thought of for this situation. I could be put, and I already started training my martial art that I was interested in, and I was like. I could be putting the same effort into training myself and making myself awesome, raising my own level. And then I was like thinking about it and I just quit playing the game. I got more interested in this little thought experiment. I never, I've never been able to play video games once with like some old friends over like Christmas or whatever for nostalgia. But other than that, I've never found video games interesting ever since this thought. And what I realized is it takes way more effort to level up yourself. Yep. Way oh, more yeah. effort. But, yeah. there, there but are. it's way more valuable. Like, I defeated yeah, Tim in one-on-one sword combat right. right before <laughs> right. we started. But there it. are some video games people should be playing. So the issue would be, I suppose, Lemmings. the MMORPG. Civilization. Yeah, Lemmings. Yeah. I think Civilization no, should good, be yeah. mandatory in schools. I think uh, uh, second graders should be given copies of Civilization and told to play it. That should be their homework. I found that and to be an edifying game to play, they, yeah. The kids should have to do a report. Like, play Civilization for a week. And then on Friday, come in and tell the class... Like, I, if, if I were the teacher, I'd say, just, uh, you don't gotta write it down. Play the game for a week on Friday. I want you to tell me about how many games you've played. I want to, I'm gonna tell you about your experiences and what your thoughts are on the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I totally get that idea. Because yeah. then there's gonna but be then a kid, gonna he's gonna be like, I couldn't raise enough money, and they kept attacking me, huh. so I started raising taxes, and then everyone started protesting, and so then the enemy came and took my cities, and I was really mad. See, the, the like, only well, way yeah, I go. think most public schools would yeah. be willing to introduce that into their curriculum is if they modified the game so that, like, you lose if your military force isn't gender diverse enough or something like that. Well, they wouldn't do it because it's effective. They they wouldn't they wouldn't have kids like it, 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 they wouldn't actually be te- they're not, they don't actually teach kids. You can't get. I wouldn't expect the government to do anything twenty first century tech. They're like stuck in nineteen. Well, well, or maybe in the twenty third century. Maybe in the twenty first century. But I'll do that. It. Let's homeschool our kids and make them play Civ. Yeah, that yeah. sounds fun. I, I my my, my mom bought civil colonization uh, uh, and civilization. These are the DOS versions. Oh my god! And. I'll tell you this, man. You learn a lot about history uh, because when – so in 
in Civilization 2, you've got a plethora, and this is like oh, like early on, like Windows 95 version of it. The first one I think was like DOS. When you choose a certain um, na- nation to start off as, so you choose the French, mm-hmm. you start building cities, and the cities all have real names of French cities. You choose, like you can you can start as ancient settlers who are American because it's just a video game. But then you learn about the Manhattan Project. You learn about the Statue of yeah, Liberty. That's the where hang- I learned about the space gardens. elevator. It's from learn, civilization. That's right. So you build wonders. And so I'm just I'm just trying to win the game. And then it's like, oh, I can now build the Great Lighthouse. What's that? And then yeah. I learned about the Colossus of Rhodes. And I'm yeah. like, what is and this? And there's a link. And then you click on the link and it takes you to yes, the Wikipedia right. or to the... And ex- then, and then, when I got, I think it was Civ 4, Leonard Nimoy. He was telling oh, me stuff. solid. Yeah. Sean Bean, Civ 5. Or was yeah, Civ was 6? Civ 6. Was he? Yeah. yeah I remember Sean Leonard Bean. Nimoy. Nimoy was the best. Yeah, and he was telling me stuff, and I was like... This Alex cool. Jones will be the voice for the next Oh, that's <laughs> a good one. Oh, hold on. We can, awesome, actually, actually. We, we can we can we can put that in the game. You want to get into the Satanist? You know, oh, that'd like, be great. <laughs> like, Dude, that'd be hysterical, like a conspiracy a version of Civilization yeah. where it's actually behind the scenes Whoa. and you're like the, the shadow order. Oh, that's a order. good idea. This is yeah. like my third million dollar idea I've had tonight, guys. Yeah. This actually is a million dollar idea. Conspiracy. Let's do it. Conspiracy. Society's ready for it. And you're like, you're like the Illuminati versus the <laughs> light force that's trying to fight against it. And so so col- colonization... Um, when we got it was like a, a side version of civilization where when we would play the 94 DOS version, you choose, you can play as the English, the Spanish, the French, or the Dutch, and each has a different mm-hmm. like national benefit. So the English immigrate more, the Dutch get trade bonuses, the French get cooperation bonus with the Native Americans, and the Spanish get a, I think they get an attack bonus against Native Americans. And so, like, my brother would always be like, play the Spanish because you can ransack the Aztec Empire and take all their gold. And then I would always play as the English because they immigrated faster so you could build colonies faster. And then you want to generate freedom. So you're like, you 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 hire statesmen to, like, advocate for freedom and generate uh, a propendency towards independence. And then once enough of your colonies support independence, you declare independence. And then you get invaded by Europe. And then the French intervene or like the Dutch intervene. And then the inter- expeditionary force shows up. That, I used to play that game all the time. In fact, I, in fact, I even still have it on one of my computers running on a DOS emulator, like slowed down so you can play it. Yeah. I have it on my phone. It's such a good game. But I think what, what about it's like Civ 6? That game's amazing. Civilization will always be one of the greatest video game franchises. And if you want to help your kids, if you want to make your kids smarter, have them play Civilization because it's fun and it's educational. And apparently a musical instrument. I read that the other day. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting. No, uh, learning a musical instrument is the only thing oh, that yeah. you can do that's been proven to boost IQ. Yes. Yeah. That's yeah. What I read. Um, that's multiple languages are good, but uh, yeah. teach your kids a musical instrument ASAP. Yeah. And I, I mean, as an adult, too, like there are a number of things you can do with your child to, really? yeah, to increase the probability that they'll have a higher IQ. But learning an instrument as an adult will actually improve your score on IQ test. You know, the most important years in a child's life, zero through five. And what do we do in, in America? Shove them into daycares, daycares or public schools. That's right. Yeah, no, not, not, like, not public schools, not to five. They're, they're, well, sometimes they're they have preschool sitting, programs and pre-K programs now. But they're sitting in front of TVs. They have iPads in their uh-huh. laps, and that's it. And their faces are covered. Uh, when I was a kid, yeah. for zero through five, my mom was homeschooling me. So yeah. when I was like two years old, my mom was showing me – was like I, I was reading. I was learning. I was yeah. like, I don't know the exact age. But um, before I even started kindergarten, I had new multiplication and division. Yeah, yeah. And Good for that. you. Yeah, I, I don't know about two, but that's before we were ever sent off to school. My mom had an old phonics book that she would uh, sit with us and teach us to read with because she just didn't trust the school system to be yep. able to do it. Yep. Yeah. But now, you know, uh, I remember talking to a friend of mine and I asked them because a friend of mine years ago was saying they didn't know what they wanted to do with their life. And I said, what were you doing when you were 13? And she was like, I don't know, riding bikes with my friends. And I was like, how would you like to own a bar? 
And she was like, that would be amazing. And I was like, yeah, the thing you did when you were a kid is what you want to do today. It's not surprising to me. When I was 13, I was skateboarding around and I was actually on the internet reading stuff all day. No, no joke. So my, I've had the internet since I was, uh, since as long as I can remember. We had DOS, we had DOS shell, we had CompuServe. Hmm. Um, we got Windows 3, 3, was it 3.1? 3.1 or 3.11 for work groups, depending on how fancy yeah. you were. We got Windows 95 yeah. and then we had, we had CompuServe, like one of the first internet programs you can get. We had that too. We had, uh, uh then we got AOL. And so I'm on, I'm online and I'm finding video games and I had friends who did the same thing. And so I ended up downloading Flash 4, I think. Mm. This is probably when I learned I was... on Flash 3. That's where I started Flash to make cartoons. Yeah. So I was yeah. making cartoons. Yeah. Motion tween and all that stuff and showing my friends. I made websites. Yeah. I made games. And so I was reading online all day, every day. And there's something interesting that happens back then. The internet, when it started off, it was mostly dominated by tech-interested individuals who were savvy enough to know to use the internet. It wasn't dominated by a bunch of emotionally stunted children who complain all day and night and want to join a cult. So for mm-hmm. me, I'm in a, I'm in a chat room looking up video games and I'm like, how do I make it so when the guy moves, the world moves around him? Like, what's that called? Like, I want to make Mario. And they're like, oh, you know, you, you need to learn. How, I forgot, I forgot what the, the phrasing is, but like someone told me, set the, uh, uh, create a zone, set it so that when your player object reaches the zone, it, the, the, the program sets his coordinates to be one degree, uh, you know, to the left or whatever, like, uh, Y minus one of the coordinate. And so it'll always stay in the middle of the screen and then have it set that when object reached the zone, then you have other objects. And I'm like, wait, what? And so I'm learning from actual adults who are interested and explaining to me how these things work, telling me like what parallax scrolling was. So I started making my own video games. Yeah, yeah. Now on the internet, your kid's going to go on there and it's going to be a bunch of psychopaths and emotionally yeah. stunted losers who are like trying to manipulate their yeah, brains. Straight and, up grooming. Right. Like, let's just That's cut also to true. It. And then they go to school and they get groomed again by the Maoist freaking education program. Yeah. Uh, the social emotional learning and the queer theory and the gender theory and the the critical race theory that they're using exactly not to derail our, our conversation you know, but I'm so pissed off that they they literally recreated Maoism in our schools literally but and you, totally tricked everybody. What bothers me the most is when we we have guests who come in here who are like moderate or conservative or you know understand what's going on and they just like will block like very like nonchalantly be like yeah you know my kids going to college and so they're we're trying to figure out where to send them to and i'm like why why no. aren't aren't you like savvy to what's going on politically it, it, you know i i saw this story on reddit where a guy was like i sent my daughter off to college and she came back and now she hates me i don't yeah. understand what happened and i'm like maybe you should pay attention to your children and their lives you know, so you think you can send your kid to an institutionalized learning facility and they won't be indoctrinated? I'm sorry. You know, you need to you need to wake up and make sure you're paying attention to what your kids are doing. I mean, that's even a problem when you don't have a Maoist structure in place. Right. And like, I don't know if you guys, I don't know if anybody knows. No American knows how freaking Maoism worked. It's actually very simple. Mao created a list of bad identities. Right? That's it. They called them black identities. We'll get the critical race theorists to work on that later. They'll call them white identities. But it was, yeah, well, it was, yeah, exactly. So, but it was, it was, it was for fascism. And so these were people that were like wealthy landowners, you know, landlords, um, you know, wealthy farmers, stuff like that. Uh, bad influence was one of them. And then he created these other identities, red for communism, that were good identities. And they were things like peasant and laborer, but then also revolutionary activist things like that and so what you would do is you take kids in the school and you're like oh your dad's a wealthy farmer black identity you're the biggest problem in the world you're connected to the biggest problem in the world guess what 
Join our movement, though, and you can have a red identity like all the other cool mm-hmm. kids, and you get to wear a red hat or whatever the little prize is for the kids yep. that are the good guys. What are you doing now? Well, you're white, so you're complicit in racism. You are a racist, but you can be an ally. You're black. You don't even know how the system works, so you're complicit in racism. But you can become politically black. You can become right. a black voice. You're a 12-year-old girl. You're confused. You have white skin. You're the worst kind of person, but did you know that if you transition and become a queer activist, you have a positive social identity mm-hmm. now? Someone That's exactly how Mao did it. That's exactly what they're doing in schools someone, now. We had a good super chat from someone. They said, I like how only white people can be racist and black people can't be racist, but Candace Owens is a white supremacist. Yep. Yeah. Well, know, I, I want to ask real quick, have you spoken to Lily Tang Williams? Yeah, I met her the other okay. day. Okay, great. I was going to say, I think you two would have a great conversation. Oh, yeah, she's awesome. awesome. She's, she's totally fantastic. awesome. One of the things that terrifies me about this being like Maoism, back one of the things Mao did was talk about rightists. He would uh-huh. say all the rightists. Far right. So yeah. when I hear the language of whenever even us, are my friends, and we're talking, when someone's like those on the left, I feel like Mao has already indoctrinated you, sir. If you're if you're thinking in terms of left and right, Mao has indoctrinated you. I don't think so I mean, because per, the terms yeah. left and right go back to the French Revolution. French Revolution. And even that was Mao. like just a couple the the side of the aisle they sat on. It wasn't a political ideology. But it was. I mean, we named the political ideologies after the side after of the, the side aisle of the aisle they were sitting on. But the ideologies were completely irrelevant to the side of the aisles they sat on at the time. And it's a mistake and, and to it, bu- no. split people in half like no, this right now. No, the revolutionary side. Mao did it. He yeah, did it on purpose. Yeah. yeah. There, there, there are two parent factions, and we could That's call what it. Mao wants we, you to we, think, we bro. Call, no, just they're, they're, well, put, they're, I mean, there literally are. It's it's the a, other an those fact. and the other. I mean, you got to be. It's it's objective. No, well, Ian, it yeah. is. So, I don't think so. I don't let, think so. Uh, James, are there, are there two parent factions in the culture war? Uh, yeah, there are. There, we could call them right and left, but they're the we, people we call who it think, blue and red. We call it one and two. We call it A and B. We what call about, it A what about, and C. We call it alpha. Can we call them them and then the others? I mean, how 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 bad do you want to divide these people right now? It's not about wanting to do anything. It's about objective reality. Unity cannot come at the expense of truth. These people are saying things and doing things that are horrific, and we need to speak out against that and acknowledge that. Their goals are separate from ours. The truth is also is through the vessel it's spoken. Your perspective on truth is different from. So you know, no, no, we no, talked no. about the John Stewart thing earlier, and I said I didn't know if I should name it that, but that's exactly actually what Mao was doing. They had labeled rightists as people who were against the Glorious Revolution. Mm-hmm. So anybody who was against the Glorious Revolution was in this black category and was a rightist. And so the goal was to stain anybody who wanted to keep the existing society largely intact in its structure as somehow morally polluted. Well, morally polluted, uh, stupid, too stupid to understand the need for the glorious revolution or crazy. And then the goal was to turn the people into thinking that everybody who liked the existing society may be thinking it's imperfect, but that the general structure is pretty good and we should try to reform within it rather than have a revolution that gave Mao all the power. Those people are the problem. And Everybody who wants to be on the right side of history, which is a Hegelian Marxian idea, yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, everybody wants to be on the right side of history now has to be against those people. So the divide and conquer, the splitting, um, what, what you're saying is, you know, Mao wanted to split people, yes, for his own power. And what Tim is saying is, uh, it's just objective reality that somebody's splitting us into two different factions that have but there's there are two parent factions also because there are two very different structures for how society is to be organized that literally comes all the way back down to subject versus object. Do well, you think th- in terms of the subject? Do you think in terms of the objective world outside? Th- there's a bunch of ways it's been described: authoritarian versus libertarian. Sure. There's uh, a great way that was described to me by uh, Stephen Marsh, which is a multicultural democracy 
and a constitutional republic both existing within the same borders, which I find really interesting as well. I don't think necessarily any one kind of gets it. My view of it is actually Judeo-Christian moral framework versus Marxist lack of moral framework, a moral framework lack thereof. So the way I see it is when you look at the constitution, you look at the ideas of liberalism or liberty, classical liberalism, etc. A lot of it is rooted in uh, a, 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 a just Christian moral framework. I'm going to start calling well, it Abrahamic. It's interesting because um, it's not necessarily a lot of what Marxism, why. A lot of what Marxism has done is just bastardized Christian principles. So I think it's interesting that you pointed out yeah, this idea inverted. of the, the Hegelian notion of being on the right side of history, that history has an end. I mean, when you consider it, that is a Christian idea in some sense that's yeah. been twisted into something else. It's called the eschaton. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, their eschaton is our political order prevails. Well, I'll, I'll put it this way. That's right. That's so right. Uh, whether whether people in this country realize it or not, if even the atheists, their moral framework is rooted in Christianity. Yeah. Not not 100%. It's not like they follow the Bible. It's just that a lot of the ideas they hold true to themselves, they don't realize what the root of that is. So there is a traditional view in terms of what is right and what is wrong, which comes from Christianity. For the, 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 you know, race Marxists, for the woke, for whatever this other group is, they don't have those moral frameworks. They have an so, inverted one. Yes. In fact, it's well, inverted. Act, actually, I think it's lack thereof. It's whatever suits their power. Well, well, that's, yes. They do have a vision though, which is that, that everything comes from when, when they achieve their utopia. And mm-hmm. so the whole thing is actually a pretty vastly religious structure. And the reason is because kind of tracking back a to, you know, say the 19th century, you have basically God versus society as kind of the two explanations of what's going on, or God versus self. And, you know, God has ordained this moral order. This is the Judeo-Christian order that you're looking at. What Marx actually said is, no, we're going to—this is his 1844, you know, so-called Paris manuscript, or his epistem—what is it? Um, uh, Economic and Philosophical Manuscripts of 1844 from Paris. And he says, no, what we're going to do is we're going to— abandon that we are going to make man in himself independent of everything man is going to become the deity but not any man only awakened man a gnostically awakened man if we want to get really technical Mm. only awakened man who has a correct consciousness and that consciousness is a social consciousness or in other words a socialist consciousness and so when man and society become co-continuous so that man is for society and society is making man so that they're the same, total socialism. Then you have actualized, this is the Hegelian part, you have actualized the deity. The deity comes in in the form of society as man, as society, which is totally hard to get your head around because it's this dialectical bullshit. But what that stands to do is replace God. And so what that, and is their moral framework, Anything that brings that into existence is good. Anything that resists that is bad. So anything that gives them power is good. And as a matter of fact, just to, I know you're, I don't want to keep going, but if you go to the Marxist.org and you look up, they have an encyclopedia. It's awesome. I love it. I, I read it a lot. They tell you exactly what the hell they mean by all these crazy words they use. Um, you look up the word for truth and they straight up tell you a lot of people think that truth means correspondence to what's actually happening in the objective world. But for Marxists, it's a social formation. And then they go on and say, well, the rationalists think that truth is in reason, and the empiricists think that it's in evidence, and the pragmatists think that it's in what works. But for Marxists, it's closest to the pragmatists, but it must wed theory and practice. So it is what brings Marxism into the world is true. I, I think a big component of the culture war may be, do you believe in a greater power than yourself? That doesn't mean God. That doesn't mean you're religious. When I think about inalienable rights, why I believe in freedom, it's because I feel that I am, 
I am I am a, a, a tiny, insignificant fragment of the universe relative to the greatness and vastness of the universe. Mm-hmm. Personally, I do believe in God. Yeah. Um, not I'm not I'm not theistic, like sure, following sure. any particular religion. But so when I think about other people's lives and their rights and, and what they're entitled to, I think there is something beyond me. And, you know, I respect other people's existence. Yeah, well, when, totally. It. But for the woke, their view is there is nothing. The power is them if they're if they're to take it. They can be gods. So you think about that's right. You think about the World Economic Forum. You think about transhumanists. You think about the people who are like, can we transcend? And I recommend. Um, I recently just played the video game for uh, uh, Horizon Forbidden West. Zero Dawn was awesome. That came out a while ago. Forbidden West is the new game that just came out. I'm not going to spoil it because it's really new. But if you like these conversations, play that game. I'm a little underwhelmed by the writing, but it plays in a bit to this. And it's it's really fascinating concepts outside of the kind of weak story they made. But concepts about transhumanism and things like this are really, really fascinating because these yeah, people yeah. think they're gods. Well, that's right, yeah. because Marx, Marx actually the, – the belief is that the subject and the object – and this is why it does dichotomize. It's people that center the subject versus people that center the object. Marx believed that these two are in dialectical relationship. He also took this from Hegel, who believed that the, the the deity will actualize when the subject and object are synthesized. This was the Hegelian systematic, systematic philosophy. So Marx took it from there, and he actually, the goal for Marxists is that you are a subject. You can envision, I want to create the blade. I see the blade in my mind. I know what mall sword should look like. And then I go get a piece of apparently brass and bang on it with a hammer and hopefully don't give myself zinc poisoning when I put it in the uh, get, fire. Don't rag on my my anime. I'm just saying. <laughs> He's a blacksmith. I'm just saying don't put brass in a forge without proper ventilation. Just don't do it. So then you bang, you create the thing with your hammer, right? Your sickle is for when you're hungry. And you create the thing. And so in the object, you see that you created that which was in your subjective vision. And so you recognize yourself as creator. You recognize yourself as somebody who has the capacity to shape the world. And then when you see this, not only can you shape Maul Sword, not only can you shape Wakizashi, not only can you shape Zelda Sword or Whiskey G or whatever it happens to be. Whiskey G is the Chinese for whiskey, by the way. Uh, I know all the people are going to be like, it's Baijiu. No, Whiskey G is a thing they actually say when they talk about like American whiskey. Um, I know that because my Chinese person, every time I, my friend, every time I drink, he doesn't speak English. And every time I drink whiskey, he's like, well, Whiskey G. Ah, you know, he gets really excited. <laughs> and so anyway, um, the goal is that you also have to shape man and society as your object. So you have to create socialist consciousness in man, including yourself, but everybody else as well. And then you also have to shape society to become a socialist society so that when those two fuse, you now have the perfected society. This is literally the religion, and I mean religion in the fundamental correct term of Marxism. And this is the operating system behind the entire thing. And race Marxism or critical race theory is the same thing. You're just doing it now in the racial justice category. All three of us have our hands up. I just want to say real quick, talking about the mall sword. That mall sword. He has to defend it. There was there was a point in time where that would have been the pinnacle of weapons technology, Be- and it's like it costs like fifteen dollars. A brass blade. Bra- the brass is fake. Uh, I don't. I, I think that's probably just like aluminum garbage or something. But but the point yeah. is the way it's shaped and like it's easy for us to make something like that. Some you know ancient tribe would have been like, wow. Yeah. Is that like so, to bind the blade? That little hook, that little at the bottom there. If it catches here? the blade, to bind it. I mean, I guess like, probably. It, it, it's in. It's like <laughs> it's a mall sword. Dude, it's, it's a mall sword. sword. <laughs> it's it's uh, there to look at. Actually, piece of metal that's like 
you know, a toy. It's, I, I, I love that you referenced the fact that this is very clearly a religion. And one of the uh, Christian principles so that's Nero's sort of been bastardized here <laughs> is this idea what of, like, that? cooperating with God in creation. But where the huge distinction here is, is Marxists see human beings as objects, as you described, which can be reformed in their own image. So in that way, they really start to play God. I that's think, right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And it's interesting, too, because Tim sort of mentioned that we have this Christian framework that a lot of people don't realize they're following. And I would also argue our culture has a Marxist framework and... On top of that, you mentioned the Marxist framework, but I think there are a lot of people, including in the conservative movement, who don't realize they're following the Marxist framework as well, and in many cases, even more closely than they are the Christian framework. So there are a lot of Marxist assumptions that our culture currently takes for granted. One example would be that without any qualification, equality is always an inherent good. But of course, that's ridiculous, right? We should not treat a pedophile the way we would treat a law-abiding citizen. In some instances, you need inequality, and justice is more important. We shouldn't treat the guy who runs way faster than the other guy equally when it comes to handing out medals either. Exactly, exactly. There is a necessity for people to be treated unequally in certain circumstances. I would argue another way in which we've assumed Marxist thinking or taking it for granted is that we can solve problems, including moral problems with a more equitable distribution of resources. So what the Marxists said for so long was that if we just more equitably distribute resources and workers own the means of production, all of these social ills will fall away. And then instead of saying that's absolutely nonsense because there's more to human beings than the materials they're made of and they need something deeper, the conservative movement today responds by saying, no, 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 no. Yes, of course, resource distribution is the most important thing, but those resources are distributed better by capitalism as opposed to Marxism. You know what I really gotta, can't stand is when politicians checks. call out God and they like name God when you can tell they're not, they don't truly believe it. Like Joe Biden. Yeah. And, and it just mm-hmm. really, really shreds me on the inside. Grinds my gears. We got to go to Super Chats. If you haven't already, nuke that like button. Subscribe to the channel. Share the show with your friends if you really like it. And become a member at TimCast.com if you'd like to help support our work and keep all of our journalist employees in this show going. And you'll also get access to those members-only podcasts Monday through Thursday at 11 p.m. Let's read some of these Super Chats. All right. Unfortunately, YouTube doesn't allow me to read the name of the first super chat. Sorry. But they say huge fan of James and his books. They literally helped me steer my 15 year old back from the dark side into reality. I suggest everyone get them. That's great. How many, how many books do you have? Do you have, uh, technically nine, but, wow. um, I would strongly encourage if you liked cynical theories, but you found it hard to read recently, we have an easier remix called social injustice that came out. So you can share that, especially with younger people, teenagers, yeah. but I just, I just let uh, a new book out called Race Marxism, and this Race Marxism book is uh, the it's the truth about critical race theory. Is what it is. It's just what is the truth? Well, it's on the title. It's Race Marxism, and then it's a hundred thousand words making the case. Many of those words, by the way, are their words, not mine. I quote very extensively, so you can see. So I encourage people to pick that up. Um, it, it was independently published through New Discourses, just to let people know. So it won't make any bestseller list, but I'm very excited that it sold. 6,000 copies in the first week, which yeah. would have landed it pretty high on the New York Times bestseller list if they considered independently published titles. So it, it you know, really is getting out into a lot of hands. So I also encourage people to pick up my books. <laughs> All right. We got AJ says, Tim, have you ever read Revelation in the Christian Bible? It talks about one world currencies, one world government, etc. Also, if you're looking for a fiction writer, I'm here. I can show you my work if needed. Um, is it Revelation or Revelations? No S. Singular. No S. No revelation? S. Yeah. yeah. Uh, There's only one Revelation. Seamus, are you, are you familiar with all that stuff? One world government and currencies and stuff like that? Um, Was that so in there? people say that, um, the, the, uh, 
one sign of the end times is one world government because the anarchist does take over the uh, single world government. And that's part of why I'm skeptical of, of anyone who argues in favor of a one world government. But at the same time, even if I wasn't religious, I think it would be difficult for me to get on board with such a concept. It seems so terrifying that someone would say, you know what, the entire world has to be governed by um, this specific niche political ideology that I'm saying is superior. And part of the reason I say that is because I think even though I have like my own set of preferences for government, I think there are a number of of systems of governance that are acceptable and can work. And it's so strange to me that so many people have this idea that there's just one system that could work everywhere. And even people who don't believe in a one world government will say something like, well, the entire world needs to be democratic. It's like, well, you're still kind of you're saying the entire world should have one single government system. Mm. I think that's strange, too. That's another Marxist thing we've accepted, though. All right. I'm into, like, a decentralized uh, union, kind of like a federalized, decentralized union. But th- if that's the one world government, then maybe I'm the Antichrist. Well, I don't well, know. Well, I guess... A little arrogant my, my, of you to think. Yeah, jeez. <laughs> yeah. I want it. I'm, working, mosquitoes we just I'm spent, working towards it. I just don't want to do the wrong thing. Well, I, my point is it's so destructive because look how much time we just spent in Afghanistan trying to build a democracy there. Who says that's the system that they I should feel have like a, without lack of communication it's, breeds war. So I want to make sure we're connected, at least that we can communicate um, yeah. with our economy and with our words. Well, let's read some more super chats. We got Dr. Roller Gator who says, hi, James. This is Gator. Everything hey, Gator. is stupid and we're all doomed. Gator. Gator. <laughs> Caps. Caps. Dr. Roller. Yes. I did say Antichrist earlier, by the way, Tim, not not the second coming. That, uh, but I know to assume oh. you're the, like, oh, that's the cool. Antichrist. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. to yeah. Kind of point out, one. by the way, with the revelation thing, since... Uh, I really want to throw this out. The people who are doing this crap have also read Revelation, huh. and there are there are weirdo Christian cults and non-Christian cults that believe that they can bring Jesus back by forcing the tribulation. Really? Now, interesting. You might say that these people might, you know, read the description of the beast given in Revelation and then build a statue of this right outside wow. a major financial building in New York City to the signal bull. that they've read the dan- no, not the bull, the oh. weird cat thing with wings that they recently just put up. What? That you should look up the cat thing with wings. What? Yeah, I'm cat not thing with wings. I don't know what it's great. called. It's the beast and it's outside the financial building in, in, in New York City. They I just put it up. And, and so they have read this and believe that they are bringing about the tribulation. Now, to tie things to Marxist idea, just type in beast from Revelation. You, it'll is, come that, up. is that what it is? It's called. No, the- there it is. It's the third one. Oh, Not the this. chicken wings. That. That's the chicken wings. Is that a chimera? Oh, the end times beast. Yeah. Oh, so God. listen, it's very easy to look at this and get it backwards and say, oh my gosh, so many things look like end times in, as described in Revelation. But it's also possible that the people orchestrating this crap read that book and are trying to make it. Yep. Now here's That a, seems more likely. Here's a Marxist yeah. religion mind blow. You're going to love this. Yeah. What is the goal of Marxism? Capital R, revolution. Mm-hmm. What is revolution? Rapture. Mm. What's on the other side of rapture? Tribulation. What do the Marxists call it? Socialism, while all the contradictions get worked out. What's after that? God's kingdom. What do they call it? Communism or racial justice on the far end of that when everything has been set in order and the kingdom has been brought. So the idea that we're going to usher in the end times or the eschaton is also a Marxist idea that has been brought into our society under a cloak. And I would say that Maybe I know that the, some of the people behind this that have, say, billions of dollars that they give to major institutions, say, like the T.H. Chan School of Public Health, the UMass School of Public Health, which the same people recently bought, might have these exact beliefs that they believe that they are going to trigger the tribulation by emulating it as described in Revelation 
and then ride back in 2030 with Jesus. It's interesting. I, I want to make a point here because I am uh, obviously, you know, I'm Catholic. I don't believe this is the end times. Uh, however, I think Wrong. another possible explanation here. <laughs> well, I think another, po- I mean, I believe we're headed um, for, I, I believe it's likely we're headed for some kind of serious chastisement. But mm. when it comes to the end times rhetoric, I think part of it could also be, and uh, I, I'm interested in looking into some of what you're saying here. I think another huge part of this could also be, um, these people, A, just kind of wanting to, to laugh at everybody, and B, this deep, deep arrogance of saying, it's, Ian made this joke earlier, I'm the Antichrist, and Tim said something like, you know, don't be too full of yourself. Yeah, I think arrogant. there's even in kind of, a kind of arrogance. They're like, oh, we're the Antichrist, we're the one who's gonna bring the end about, when yeah. in reality, they're just I, any, any well, other we evil read, person. We're more super chats here. We got, uh, Ready to Rumble says, pretty privilege is real. Ian, you rolled the 20. Howard oh, says, yeah. look who's rolling 20s, the big old super chat. All right. Dawn's Herald says it's James' second time on the podcast and second time it's on a Friday. Is it too much to ask to see him on the uncensored show? I'd love to see y'all talk about big tech in the, uh, in the way. Mm. Um, it's a, it's a good point. We don't do the, uh, uncensored show, uh, the, the after show on Fridays, but Fridays are usually more flowing conversations and through the week when there's tons of hard news, which is one of the reasons why we have James on Fridays where we can just like freely talk about whatever. So I don't know. I'll come back when my schedule opens up. I mean, well, that's been the deal, though. Yeah, that's been the deal. It's like I've had like 120 flights since I was here last year. Yeah. So it's like wow. it's it's hard to get me, it turns out. I travel a lot. I'm busy. Turk Longwell says, Tim's AOC is absolutely my favorite Tim impression. Yeah. Well, but but I was imitating AOC, imitating the cop. Where is she? I, mine's Bill Gates. I love your Bill Gates. Yeah. But that's actually just me. <laughs> that's actually me. Making, I'm, I'm actually not impersonating Bill Gates. I'm impersonating Family Guy's impersonation of Bill Gates. No, if you want to impersonate Bill He talks Bill. like this. No, you, 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 all you have to really do is just kind of squeak your voice a little bit and rock and have your hands in your arms. <laughs> He's got like a fine, I can't really do an impression of him, but I find he kind of has a Kermit thing going too, where his mm-hmm. voice is like a little bit of this in there almost. Yeah, you know, next, yeah. next Did you, forward didn't Joe sometimes. Rogan point out he's like really out of shape? Yes. Yeah, he has <laughs> moves and he's moves. fat and he's not fit and now he's going to give us health advice? No. Yeah, get bent. Yeah, get bent. Huh? All right. Howard says, you know Trump is controlled opposition, part of the cabal. I didn't know that. Is that true? Can anyone I, confirm? I can't tell. I can't confirm no. that. Cannot confirm. Although I, I, I know his speech at CPAC this year was weird and totally on script, which huh. was weird. Really? But what up to this say? point, I don't think that's the case. But I do know that uh, Ivanka appeared as like the header photo of a weirdo World Economic Forum video along with uh, W and Biden and a number of other luminaries, DiCaprio. And um, I know that Trump listens to his daughter way more than he probably should. And so I don't know. I'm not jumping. Cannot confirm. But uh, I, I have not met Ivanka Trump strikes me, and I don't want to speak out to Ivanka. Sorry, this is going to be pretty hard on you. But you strike me as someone that will sell everyone out to keep your creature comforts and just jump Ivanka? to Ivanka? Yeah. Why, Why do you feel that way? She, she, they were like, we need a strong – finally, we have a strong woman in the White House potentially as soon as Trump got into office. Ivanka, will you be a, a voice for young women around the world that need you now? And she's like, no, I'm not interested. Got in her limo and got driven off. That was the last you heard of her all through Trump's presidency. I, I, Ian, I think you have a tendency to create an image of someone in your mind and then hate them for She had the chance to be great. She failed. She How? missed that. She Why? was the president's daughter and yeah. they were asking her to speak for women. That's young women in America. She was an American woman. Like his wife wasn't American. One thing happened well, one look, time I and think, you're mad dude, about it. It was, it was her shot. It's like, no, 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 no Biden no. was president one time, Tim. I, I, what are you so mad about? It was only one time that he was no, president. No, no, you're no, talking about four one, years. 
You're you're having an irrational uh, uh, reaction to an individual well, who didn't who, and, who did a bad interview one and, time, and that's why I I preempted it with maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but that's the vibe I get is that she's like world economic I, what, forum what I, what, I, what I don't like is conclusions drawn without evidence. She didn't come from hard times. She was born into money. Regardless, I, I, she strikes I, me with no, I've never seen if her. You, if you if you can state your case where it's like calmly and dispassionately, uh, like she's it. emotionally unstable. She cried right. to get uh, uh, Trump to fire missiles into Syria, which he White did. White women's tears are political. That's Robin D'Angelo. Yeah, so I hear chapter eleven. I, I don't trust her. I don't like her. I, I just if I knew her, maybe I would like her personally. You, but you, you, she strikes on, me as a money. On, on more than one occasion, you've been like, I have an image of someone in my mind, and now I'm angry about that. Dude, she cried and got Trump to fire missiles bro, into bro, Syria. Bro, bro, bro. She also ducked out on her chance to be a leader when they asked I her. I tried to give. Biden the benefit of the doubt or credit when he says things that are good. Like I'll say, when he talks about securing the border, like, well, I gotta say, that's a good thing for him to say. I don't trust him. Why? Because of his actions. But, and I think he's a bad person. Why? Because of his criminal actions in Ukraine. Ivanka Trump, I don't think we have enough information because she wasn't that publicly out there to do anything to generate love or hate. The same is true with like people criticizing Jen Psaki when they were like ragging on her all the time. I'm not a fan of that because I'm like, dude, she's just a press secretary. Other than that, I don't think she's anybody significant. And so just like any other press secretary, you expect her to say certain things. Now, if she's lying, I'll say, yeah, that's not true. When Sean Spicer would say something, we even talked to him about it. I just, I think if you're going to say I have deep criticisms of someone, it can't be like I've created an image of them in my mind and now I'm angry at them for it. People are asking if Trump is a, is a so, to false that, deep state psyop or whatever so the heck to it that is. Point, a controlled opposition. So that, to that point, there is a relevant thing that's of practical value that people should like really have their eye on, which has nothing to do with Ivanka whatsoever. Which is that regardless of if it, let's say that Trump was a totally genuine actor, that he was came in with the best of intentions, the best of skills, it's well known that he got surrounded by the swamp, right? How did that happen? Well, Paul Ryan appointed the head of the PPO office, presidential personnel office, most powerful position in Washington. He saw this coming. He took control, made sure his guy was in charge. So the 5,000 political appointees that Donald Trump could have made, and this was a whole thing, you know, how he's firing everybody and new people. Those were actually largely appointed by people who were recommended through the or just directly by the PPO that was under swamp control. And so we got surrounded with the wrong people. So how is this an actionable point? Maybe Trump's not controlled opposition, but he got surrounded by control. Maybe he wasn't then, but is now. I don't know. I'm not saying one way or the other. But let's say that he was not controlled opposition. He got surrounded by swamp control. And so what that tells us is we can't go back to 2016, 17 and fix that. But what we can do is make damn sure that if we put in somebody who's actually got, you know, the Constitution first and whatever office, whether it's a senator with his staffers or a congressman with his staffers, whether it's um, president, whether it's a governor, whether it's even a mayor, that people are doing some good vetting to make sure, because I can damn well guarantee you that the people who run the so-called regime with a capital R are making sure that they can get personnel around these people to make sure that they're ineffective if they are not controlled opposition. So a practical point is, you think we're looking at, you know, a red wave maybe in 2022 this fall. People need to be thinking of who are those staffing appointments and how are those staffing appointments made and making sure that vetted people are going into those positions. Yep. There's a practical point to, to kind of come out of whatever pretty blonde girl is. All right. Howard says, cyber pandemic, March 17th, 2022, give or take a few days. Thanks who CIA Schwab Tim won't see this coming. I don't know what that last part means, but I guess he's making a prediction about a cyber pandemic. I, would, I mean, Schwab, Klaus Schwab talks about this a lot. In the last couple of years, he's like, if you think that COVID-19 has been disruptive, the cyber pandemic will be 10 what, times as disruptive. What, what does that even mean, though? Um, probably Malware? massive, massive hacks and, uh, ransomware and, you know, breaking into, say, government infrastructure, say, things that run power plants or whatever, a gigantic outbreak 
probably from Russia, uh, or at least that's what they'll say, yep. of huge amounts of, of cyber warfare against critical infrastructure and even individuals um, throughout probably, I would bet, the Western world and not China, uh, just as a guess. And so he's been warning about this enough to where one should suspect that he's not warning about this because it might happen and he's ahead of the curve, but because it might happen because he is the curve. Um, and, uh, I don't know what you do to prepare for this. I don't know how, how realistic it is, but it's something that Schwab has telegraphed, um, dozens of times in the past year or two. Seamus suggested earlier, as we were talking, how do we prepare for something yes. that may or may not happen? Um, download your bank records, yes. copies of the last three yes. months of your bank records in case the banks, the electricity goes out and you need to, yeah, you need to contact your bank and be like, I have proof that this is my money. This is how much I had. Yeah, that's a good yeah, idea. Yeah. So I would go if Print you can. Well, no, 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 no. I would say that's ridiculous. What you want to do is you want to take out all of your money, put it in a briefcase under your mattress. Yep. And then I'm kidding. Please don't do that. <laughs> no. yes. But I, I also Buy would say it's good. I think it would be, I do think it would be good to have some cash on hand. I think it would be good for people to have some cash on hand. I would argue for that. I'll tell you this, something though. does happen to the banks temporarily. If, if the internet cuts out, you know what the most the wor- most worthless worthless thing is going to be gold and silver. Mm. Like gold and silver is valuable so long as there is still social cohesion. What is this? Look? How is Bitcoin better then? If you don't have a computer, it's not. Who said it was? Well, I don't know. I assume that's I, where I, I didn't going. even I didn't say the word Bitcoin. I'm just curious. The one thing that's going to be totally wor- worthless if there's no internet is going to be your idea of currency. If like. People might still value hard cash. They might still value gold and silver. But if the economy is truly disrupted in a it hits the fan moment, food and water are going to be yeah, most valuable. Actually, thing. I've it's also true. read coffee, <laughs> food, water, coffee. Yes. Uh, you know, bullets yeah. probably. Honestly, bullets will be very valuable when the coffee runs out. Gold and, gold and silver are good because we don't think we're going to be living in Fallout, the Fallout universe. Yeah. Mall sword then, might be worth an entire dollar. Like uh, two sticks of gum. No, 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 no. Hold on there a minute, man. Like a mall sword in a full-blown apocalypse will, like, aluminum used to be the most valuable metal. Yeah. Or as the British say, I think aluminium. this is steel. Like, it's pretty, steel. it's got some weight to it. It costs like 10 bucks, dude. Steel's not expensive. No? But but think about who can make that right now in the middle of where you live. You know, this is something that's made in a factory somewhere. They mass produce it and it gets shipped out. So the point is, gold, like... When, when, when we buy, so I have gold, I have silver, you know, I, I, a little bit and, you know, Bitcoin and crypto. That's me basically saying I think society will continue. Yeah. Now, when I'm saying society won't continue, it's when I buy like a ton of water or like a solar panel or something. That's like, yikes. But the thing is, even so, like water, ammunition, solar panels, emergency food, those things will still be valuable to you if society stays afloat as well. Soap, for too. Sure. Yeah. Soap let me, is let's, super, let's, super let's, valuable. Let's read some more. We got, uh, Sadistic Atheist says, have you ever watched Darren Brown, a real mentalist, showing how he programs celebrities in the general public? No hypnosis required. I am very much aware of Darren Brown. One of my favorite things he ever did was he took a wallet, put it on the ground in the middle of a street, busy street, like downtown in some city, and drew a yellow circle around it, and then walked away, and they put a time-lapse cam- camera on it and watched, and no one touched it. Huh. Just in the, like, it's in the middle of the sidewalk. But because there was a ring around it, people assumed something was happening and they didn't want to touch it. Well, that's like ants. It was supposed no. to be there. Yeah, that's right? interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah, I'm familiar now, he, with Aaron he, Brown, too. He does have some things that I question where he, like, I think this is him. He grabs a woman and says, like, stuck, and then she can't move. And I'm like, come on. Yeah. Like, uh, it's not real. But there are a lot of things I can tell you this. Having worked in nonprofit fundraising, having been friends with tons of, you know, hackers, social engineers, you would be surprised how easy it is to control people's behaviors. And so 
What they try and do with these nonprofits is they try to cultivate a basic set of manipulative skills. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work for most people. And then there are some people who naturally have these skills and they can, exp- they can you know, uh, execute them very, very easily. So those people you see on the street waving to you like, hey, come and talk for a minute. Some people naturally behave in such a way that is commanding. So I'll tell you two really fascinating things. When it comes to hiring 50 people, there was always, there was always a guarantee, one characteristic of a man and one characteristic of a woman that would guarantee they would be hired. And you know what it was for men? Height, maybe? Height. Yeah. And do you know what it was for women? Waifu. How fast they walk. Attractiveness? Walked. Nope. Yeah. You're close, Seamus. Just think. Hey, and there it is. Attractiveness. Wow. The women with larger breasts tended to, to, uh, be able to fundraise really well, and that the men who were taller, tended to be able to fundraise really well. These are like instinctual, secondary, you know, sexual drives that humans have. The tall men are commanding people naturally, you know, uh, and deep voices. Hmm. And then the women who were, you know, busty or attractive tended tended to do very, very well. Then there was there, there was the anomalous outliers. So you'd always find like a weaselly little guy, but he was a fast talker. And he could convince anybody of Honestly, anything. Honestly, gang, okay. So, so let me explain to you why you should go to birchgold.com and purchase it right now. <laughs> Is that something he says? Yeah, yeah. Birch Gold, right? Birch Aren't they Gold. One of the people who sponsors him. Nice. Yeah. Well, they just got a free shout out. Yeah. But no, like I, 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 I saw a lot of this. <laughs> Guys who are like five five, but they talk really, really fast. I got to tell you, man, if you want to get the right, if you want to get the job done, you got to come to me and I tell you, put, put your credit card right now. Now we're saving the trees. Want to save the trees? We're going to save the trees. Let's get it done. And those guys. People would just be like, yes, sir. Okay. Whoa. I don't even know what's going on. And before I realized it, they handed over their credit card. Take my mall sword. The crazy thing is the tall guys, like I knew a guy who was like six, five, dumb as a box of rocks. He would just be like, listen, uh, it's like, we got to help families. She's like, have my babies. And, and like, like we're helping families. And they would be like, okay. And they pop their credit cards. And I'd just be like, what? Like, he didn't even say anything to him. But that's, that, that's, uh, humans are very much driven by, there, uh, um, Is there any data about people wearing shirts that say camp? I don't know, but um, <laughs> they, they don't inspire uh, a can-do attitude. Some of these things should be obvious to people. Bubbliness. So you, they try to train people, like keep your arms away from your chest so you're open and welcoming. Exposing your vulnerable, soft underbelly is a sign of trust. It's keep, a trap. Keep your legs spaced mm-hmm. apart and be up around the balls of your feet and be bubbly and upbeat and never be sad. Never be angry. These are the things that they would they would try and train people for. Spread your legs, balls out. That's all I heard. There balls out. <laughs> yeah, because the idea is, if you if you're covering your chest, you're saying I don't trust you, I fear you, and that puts them Most. in a sense of alarm. Yeah. Mm. So all of these these techniques they train on are like base instinct, not even about the words you say. In fact, like I mentioned, the tall guy he would barely say words and still convince people to just give him money. So when it comes to programming humans, we've got base code, man. We've got an underlying BIOS that is easy to exploit, and it's kind of scary. I love when people tell me it's not possible because I'm like, bro, marketing exists. They (laughs) they know how you think. All right, let's grab some more. What is this one? Mark's Josephine Whitaker says, somewhere I heard that when Marx died, his wife said, if only he spent his time making capital instead of writing about it. Is that true? <laughs> I don't know. I that's don't a good know. one, though. It's funny. Um, <laughs> I mean, that, burn? that's that's the the necessary burn. I mean, I know that, that that she actually. I mean, I've read and there's a wonderful book called uh, "The Devil and Karl Marx" by Paul Kenger, um, and he. I think I said his last name right. And anyway, uh, that sentiment is actually documented. I don't know if that's the the timing. But uh, that sentence, that sentiment was certainly was expressed. I remember reading it. Well, we, have, we have a correction here from Kurt. He says, Tim, the experience for replica is for the AI, not you. 
the the knot starts off really dumb, but the more you level it, the smarter it gets, and it's free to start. All right, well, there you go. So train your waifu right, huh. your, your AI replica or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and she'll be reading Nietzsche or something to you. <laughs> what if, what if like, what if this is really what it is though? The, the people who are using this, maybe the idea is like people are lonely. Let's give them this AI chat bot. But if people keep communicating, it will learn. Yeah, they'll, the take, they'll take the data. What was that thing that was on Twitter that turned into a Nazi and like, right. like oh two my hours gosh, or that's whatever? Right. Microsoft released a bot. That was yeah. hilarious. What was that called? Yeah, <laughs> I remember it got radicalized <laughs> though. Yeah, it was all the way. Oh, it was like imagine. It's really bad. It's, 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 it's see this is the thing about Iron Man, uh, uh, Avengers: Age of Ultron. Like <laughs> if they were going to build Ultron and this AI, they would put it in a virtual space to see what would happen first. And that's what happened. That's yes. what happened. Became the, the, a Nazi right away. The chatbot yeah. was called Tay. T A Y. That's right. That's right. Became a Nazi. It instantaneously <laughs> became a Democrat staffer pretending to carry a tiki torch outside of a Glenn oh, Youngkin right. van yeah. in like one hour. That's incredible. That's crazy. That's CBS that News. Yeah. All right. Uh, Victor says VTubers are actual people. They use 3D modeling programs to track their face and body instead of using their actual face. This highlights an even bigger issue with identity. In that some believe they are their avatar. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, um, they, so they are real people, mm-hmm. but they're like technically just puppets. I did. So sometimes we've referenced this before. The conspiracy theory pyramid video I did where it's just my cartoon character oh, talking yeah. about it. People were commenting, joking like, Seamus is a VTuber now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dr. We, Roller Gator is a real gator that roll, oh, wears roller yeah. skates. People so. don't realize he this, but... Half the episodes of IRL that Seamus has been on, he's actually been a marionette. Yeah. Very good animator. I'm yes. very good at animating. <laughs> very good at it, too. Very, very talented. All right. Let's uh, grab some more Super Chats here and see what y'all are interested in. Okay. Daniel Christman says, Marx wrote his manifesto in 1848. Engels trained three major Civil War generals, Karl Schurz and Franz Siegel and August, August Willich. Marx was the worldwide media correspondent during the Civil War. The Civil War was a communist coup. I don't know about all that. That's a lot of information. I know that he yeah. was in touch with with Lincoln. I, I don't know more than that on this subject. Interesting. I've heard that. Mighty Dork says, hey, Tim, did you hear Joe say it was weird saying second gentleman? Is that what he said? <laughs> I don't know. He did, did he say, say it was that. weird? I heard him saying second gentleman. Second gentleman. Yeah. I didn't hear him say it was weird. Oh, yeah. I thought it was weird, though. Is that Joe? Biden. Joe Biden. Yeah, sorry, it was to Kamala. Yeah, her husband, Doctor Jill. Doctor Jill. Elijah Zapata says, "I don't think you guys understand how many H games there are on the internet. They all have Patreon pages and make tons of money. Just look how much Summertime Saga makes a month. What is an H game? Uh, hentai? Is that what the H for? Is that oh, is waifus? that what it is? I don't know. Waifu. I'm games. in my forties. I don't know what any of this <laughs> shit is. I mean, I didn't know what it was. And you, I maybe you're right. I'm just guessing. It's like, it's like what's an H game? I'm gonna look it up." Inform me, good Something sir. I probably didn't want to know exists. Right, exactly. <laughs> okay. I will was, chop it down with chosen. my mall sword. Yes. All right. Uh, let's... Uh, yeah, it's basically hentai. Gross. Bang. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> Jeff Jones says, first time donator. Love you guys. Shout out to Ian for taking confrontation so well with Tim. I know when I am put on the spot, I get even more pissed. Ha ha ha. Got to learn to enjoy being wrong. I learned early on when we used to play video games with my friends that if you we would play like you'd win and then the, the loser would have to pass the controller so the winner would stay forever. And I was like, why don't we do it where you play two and you pass it regardless of if you win or lose? So everyone started to get equal amounts of play time and I realized it doesn't matter if you win or lose. No, we're just playing to have fun. Let's see. Turk Longwall says, how did coffee become so addictive? It's top five. 
I have no idea. Coffee. It's delicious. Because caffeine is an adenosine receptor uh, antagonist, and adenosine makes you feel very uncomfortable when it gets free. And so when you can antagonize the receptors, you can make yourself feel good all the time, in the famous words of Kramer. Huh. Wow. Then you start to grow more receptors. Let's just do, uh, we'll get one more good super chat in here. Jerry. Let's see. Ari Itze says, when will you have Alex Jones on again? He's been on my mind. Anytime. Anytime. What, you know, if, uh, what if I am Alex Jones in a James Lindsay suit? Under the can't shirt? They would well, you see, if he took a you. whole lot of his supplements yes. for, like, brain... Co- no. <laughs> <laughs> he evolved. Uh, so the thing about Alex is that, um, you know, like, we went down to, to Austin. I was just like, I don't want to have him on literally every other day. You know, it's right. got to be special. Make him, but, a guest. Uh, Make him a co-host. Yeah, it's like, he's just here now. He lives here. Um, but I, I love to have Alex Jones on anytime. And, and I think the most important thing is finding good guests to have on with Alex. And also, it's like, we've had requests to host conservatives with Vosh. And I'm like, look, like we, we've, we've had the guy in a couple times. I don't want to act like we are somehow able to connect people and make these things happen. And also, I'd love to have other left personalities and leftist personalities on with, you know, conservatives or moderates. I'm not just going to be like, there's one leftist who comes on the show, who came on the show twice. You know, there's certainly other people we could bring on. And same goes for Alex Jones. You know, there's probably other people we could bring on too. And so we try to just, you know, get a diverse, eclectic group. So I'll leave it there. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. It's been a, it's been a big blast. Go to TimCast.com. Be a member if you want to keep supporting our work and check out our huge library of members only segments. You can watch the stuff from Steve Bannon. We got Alex Jones episodes. We got the green room where you can watch. I think we have one up today. You can see behind the scenes stuff. We had a really, really great green room with Majid Nawaz because he's downstairs talking about a whole bunch of stuff for like 40 minutes. So it's basically a whole, whole other podcast. So go to TimCast.com, but don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to this channel. You can follow the show on Instagram at TimCast where we post clips. You can follow me at TimCast for basically shenanigans. Twitter just rolled out super follows. Oh, yeah. And so uh, they gave it to me. And this basically means that you can sign up on Twitter. Not saying you should. I'm just saying I'm absolutely going to be posting things. But it's mostly going to be drama and nonsense, something you wouldn't get anywhere else. So today I made a post about how we we actually have a plan to clone our rooster. And I'm pretty sure I can pull it off. If you want to find out how, that's the kind of shenanigans you'll get on Twitter with super follows or just literally ignore it. Who cares? You can only come you, you can come to the substantive content and actually that actually matters or you can, you know, whatever. I figured I'd set it up. Uh, James, you want to shout anything out? Yeah, I mean, I got the new book, Race Marxism. If you can't find it on the Amazon for yourself, you can go to racemarxism.com. Website is newdiscourses.com. The podcast there is the New Discourses podcast. If you think that I sounded kind of smart and know what I'm talking about with this mouse stuff, I've got tons, hours and hours and hours of deep dives into this literature, whether it's critical race theory, Marxism, neo-Marxism, postmodernism, whatever. Check it out. Uh, you follow me on social media at Conceptual James where people are probably pissed off at me on the internet, and I am probably laughing about that fact. <laughs> Lovely. I'm Seamus Coglin of Freedom Tunes. We upload a new political cartoon every single Thursday. We just uploaded one about Biden's State of the Union. I think you guys will really enjoy it if you check it out. And we're going to be doing one I mentioned earlier about the diversity training requirements for the military. And uh, you can check me out there. I love you all. Thank You're talking you. about Biden's campaign speech? A little bit. Oh, yeah, they yeah, yeah, the State of yeah the they called it the State of the Union, you. even though he didn't really tell us much about I'm the re- state the Union was in. Yeah, I found that out too. Come James, on, I'm man. looking forward to when you come back. I want to talk about Heigl's mixing of self and, and other to yeah. create God and then pushing that on society. I thought that Plato said, like, if you don't take interest in politics, politics takes an interest yeah. in you. But maybe people have gone too far. Maybe that can be something we look into in the future and yeah. talk more about. Thanks for coming, man. Yeah, man. Awesome.
Follow me at iancrossland.net. Peace. I always enjoy having James. He mixes a mean aviation, which is my new favorite cocktail, it turns out. Thank you very much for making me a drink. That was the color of your sweatshirt. You guys may <laughs> follow me on Twitter and minds.com at Sour Patch Lids. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. And uh, I guess we'll be back Monday. We'll have more shows. We'll have clips, of course, up throughout the week. So if you subscribe to the channel, we've got clips from like earlier in the week that are segments. You'll see them here. And uh, other than that, we'll see you on the next show on Monday. Thanks for hanging out. Bye, guys.